0: One of the greatest extravaganzas ever known to mankind, WrestleMania and Mike Tyson, joining together for one of the greatest explosions in pay-per-view you've ever seen,
1: unquestionably an honor and a privilege to have you standing in a World Wrestling Federation ring. Well, it's just a pleasure for me to be here. Like, I, you know, I've been a fan I've been following since I was 8, 9 years old. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Who are some of your old time favorites in the WWF? Bruno Sammartino. Yeah, alright. Don Leo Jonathan as well? Nikolai Volkman. I go way back to the '70s. <laughs> I'm just proud to be involved with him. It smells like gasoline. What are they trying to do? They're, they could not be that heinous.
0: Kane and Paul Bear could not no way! Oh, come on. Come on now. Come on. Paul no Bear handing the matches to Kane. And my God!
2: I respect what you done Mike but you're out here calling yourself the baddest man on the planet right now you got your little beady eyes locked on the eyes of the world's toughest son of a bitch I could beat you any day of the week twice on Sunday do I think I do I think you could beat my ass? Hell no. Do I think I could beat your ass? Why hell yeah. I don't know how good your hearing is, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, I always got a little bit of sign language. So here's to ya.
3: Hello, my name is Bob Bamber, welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, going back in the time machine to January of 1998 for Volume 1 of this month's show. To the volume for this month, Volume Number 2 takes to WCW, looking at WCW sold out, and Volume Number 3 takes us to ECW, looking at their house party event. I'm being joined today in Volume number 1, looking at the Royal Rumble by Eric Landrum. Eric, good morning. Oh, i happy to be back. How are you? Very well, thank you. And a debut. Good afternoon to Davinda Vargas. Davinda, hello.
4: Hey, how, how you guys doing? I'm happy to be part of this. Excited. Looking but, forward to it.
3: Yes, we've got a very interesting show to go through. Uh, Eric, you're first up on the news. Let's uh, start us off with that.
5: Yeah, lots of stuff happening. First off, Mike Tyson will appear at WrestleMania, likely as a special guest referee, after showing up at both the Royal Rumble and Raw the next night. The move, which seems to be as much a way of repairing Tyson's reputation while he's still suspended from boxing, means that the upcoming WrestleMania this year will likely be the biggest in a decade. Tyson's fee for the show could be anything within a wide range depending on who you read, but expect him to cost a few million dollars at least. Tyson has been paired off against Austin, and there was a suggestion that they could possibly fight on the show, but a referee or enforcer role seems more likely.
4: Tyson's appearance on the January 19th Raw spiked Raw's highest rating opposite Nitro in 18 months. And a clip of him shoving Steve Austin has become big news worldwide in the days that have followed. The WWF were under the impression that due to his ban from boxing, Athletic Commission wouldn't clear him to wrestle. But they don't have an issue with it as wrestling isn't a sport. Which has left them in a difficult spot. The idea being to imply they would do Austin versus Tyson, but they weren't allowed. Despite this, it seems they will say they can't get clearance to have Tyson perform, which unless things change with Hulk Hogan, which likely by Tyson refereeing the WrestleMania main event between Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels.
5: Yeah, and Hogan, much like Bret Hart before him, is using his WCW contract expiring as an attempt to see how much leverage he can use to his advantage. Shocking there. While all signs point to him re-signing with WCW, His contract with him has expired, and he's working currently on a per-night basis. In line with the WWF's new policy of shooting on just about everything, Hogan was talked about frequently on Jim Ross's 900 line, and his name even made air on Raw. While Tyson is lined up for Austin, all bets are off if the WWF can sign Hogan for a potential mega-match against Tyson in March.
4: Steve Austin won the 1998 Royal Rumble. Entering at number 24, he last eliminated The Rock just before the hour mark in the match. Typically devoid of star power, only featuring 29 entrants due to an angle with Skull and Mick Foley appearing three times as each of his personas. In the main event of the show, Shawn Michaels defeated The Undertaker in a casket match once again thanks to the interference of Kane whose apparent alliance with his brother lasted all of six days. Elsewhere there were win- wins for Vader, The Rock, the Legion of Doom, the Minis team of Mosaic, Nova, and Max Mini
3: and a reminder that we're on Patreon for five bucks a month if you'd like to say thank you or get early access to shows and this month for once you actually would have done uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash wrestling 20 links in the podcast description and on our website onto a busy month of ratings on well, starting on December the 29th last year coming off of Starcade as Nitro 4.6 to Rawls 3.6 Rawls consistently behind Nitro all month but a very very good month for them even so January the 5th 1998 Nitro 4. 4.6 3.3 to rules 3.3. During the 12th, actually, a 4.6 to rules 3.4. On January the nineteenth the night after the Raw Rumble and the Angle of p- featuring the appearance of Mike Tyson, Raw did a four but Nitro still did a four point five as they stuck Hulk Hogan the Giant against them. And on January the twenty sixth night after sold that Nitro did a four point seven to Raw's three point five. The interesting move with, uh, with with Nitro at the end of January is it is now formally a three hour show. No longer are they going to be running eight till ten up against Raw nine till eleven, and they finish at 10 and then a lot of people it, it seems to be more recently turning over to Raw, uh, they're now going to be running for three hours every Monday
5: Long for the day of one hour on Monday and one hour on Saturday.
3: Yes one hour on Monday, then another then another, then another then another and then yes, Thursdays and then Saturdays and then pay-per-view probably on Sunday it's, uh, it's a different world we live in that's for sure
1: a bit earlier this evening, you had uh, promised a huge announcement. Uh, could we uh, maybe get that announcement now?
2: Everybody saw last week Paul Bear and Kane have split ways, and Kane has wandered off out into the world all alone. The Generation X would be glad to stand here open arms like the family Kane never had and accept him into our family of Degeneration X ladies what? and gentlemen That's what I thought the newest member oh my. of the Generation X Cain!
0: This is too much. This is too much. I gotta see it to believe. Oh, I can't see anything. Wait a minute. That isn't Kane music. That's the music of the one and the only phenom, The Undertaker. The Undertaker and Michael's... Wait a minute, what... can't believe they're still standing in the ring oh this is gonna this could get really
2: really interesting in a hurry now michaels i would appreciate it If you left my family out of this, this has nothing to do with my little brother Kane. And if I was you, I'd be worried about the Royal Rumble, the World Wrestling Federation title, and The Undertaker punching about a six inch hole right in the middle of your forehead. Oh, Oh! look out! Undertaker's...
3: 1998 on Raw opened with Steve Austin backstage saying that he knew everyone was after him in the Royal Rumble so he's going to get to them first and raise hell tonight The Nation come out with Farouk taking on Ken Shamrock The Rock instructed Karma to put a chair in the corner but Shamrock sent Farouk into the chair instead which set up Shamrock to hit a belly to belly suplex and an ankle lock for the submission win Farouk and Karma argue on the outside when Rock and Shamrock circle each other in the ring Austin ran in and hit both men with stunners Jim Cornette cuts a promo with Dennis Corluza and Howard Brody representing the NWA. Cornette says the NWA North American title is being awarded to the winner of our next contest, which is Jeff Jarrett against Barry Wyndham. Corluzer distracts the ref, Cornette hits Wyndham with a racket and Jarrett picks up the win. Jarrett was strutting and posing with his new belt when Austin ran in and hit him with a stunner. Ken Shamrock cut a promo backstage saying he and Austin were both marked men in the Rumble or both will be and he hoped it would continue down to the two of them Sonny introduced our next match Sniper and Recon against Skull and 8-Ball the DOA pick up a quick win in a mess of match after a DDT on Sniper Kogan came out and led a 3-on-2 down of DOA until Jackal slapped him and led him away Degeneration X came out for a promo. Triple H ran down Owen Hart mocking him for losing a big shot at the WWF title last week, all while Sean kept staring at China's boobs in the background. Hunt called out Owen that he appeared on the Titan Tron instead. Owen says he wants every ligament to heal in Hunter's right leg so that when it does Owen can break the left one, because he has a black heart and black hearts feel no pain. Hunt tells Owen to watch his back. Owen Hart kicked off the hour number 2 taking on Savio Vega DX came out on the ramp to distract Owen There's plenty of interference from Los Bariquas Owen was still able to pick up a quick victory with an O'Connor roll Los Bariquas jumped and beat Owen Owen after the match and delivered him to DX Sean prayed the Bariquas while Hunter slapped on Owen until the commissioner slaughter came out to end the segment Paul Bearer came out for a promo Bearer says he hopes Sean destroys Undertaker at the Rumble and he despises him Barra says that because of Undertaker he's lost Kane and Taker's actions have poisoned Kane's mind. He begged Kane to come home. Backstage, you see Austin leaving a locker room after having stunned Mark Henry. Mark Merrow with Sable took on Tom Brandy. Merrow hit a TKO, he called for another but Austin ran in and stunned him for the DQ. Austin exchanged smiles with, smiles, smiles with Sable on the way out. The artist formerly known as Goldust in blackface and accompanied by Luna Vachon took on Flash Funk. Flash had control of the match, went to the top, but Luna pushed him off in front of the referee for the quick DQ. Goldust hit Funk with a curtain call after the match, but Vader ran in and attacked, and Goldust bailed. We get a Steve Blackman video package, and it's announced he will be in the Rumble, followed by a video package looking at the rivalry between Catchers Jack and Changeful Charlie and the New Age Outlaws. We get the Outlaws taking on the Headbangers. Outlaws pick up the win with a horrible match after Gun and M- Pin Mosh after a failed move from the top. Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack chased the Outlaws out away after the match. We had a Mike Tyson video package featuring comments from Don King. King stressed the deal wasn't done yet, but they were working on getting Tyson locked in for WrestleMania on March 29th. Shawn Michaels came out for a promo. He says he's going to beat Undertaker in the casket match on January the 18th and call him out. Taker's music hits and the Druids wheel the DX tag casket down to ringside. Sean says Triple H and China would do a little better than this because this is what he did last week. He tells them to get out of the casket and then China and Triple H appear on the ramp. Sean says if they're up there then who's in there? At which point, jumps out of the casket, drags Sean and drags him inside. Got a brief shot of a casket cow which should completely pitch black as the show goes off the air. On to Raw on January the 12th, we start with Degeneration X in a limo on their way to State College. Sean and Hunter say the best bit about college is the chicks. Sean pulls his pants down and moons out the sunroof. We get the New Age Outlaws versus the headbangers against the Truth Commission and the Godwins in a 4 cornered tag team match. The Outlaws pick up the win with a quick win with a mess of a match after Gun hit a punch with brass knuckles on Phineas. We've got the Legion doom video package looking at their previous trance in the WWF and their recent beatdown at the hands of the New Age Outlaws. They're set to face the WWF tag team champions at the Royal Rumble. Cole interviews Austin in the ring. Austin says he won the Rumble last year fair and square and had the carpet pulled out from under him. Austin says McMahon may have paid for this ring, but Austin owns it and he's going to throw everybody out. He takes a pen from Cole and draws a bulls on his chest. Austin says he will accept no BS from the WWF office this year, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. We see that the X are riding their limo, but someone has parked a big WWF trailer in the way, so Sean and China go off to find who's responsible. Kogan wins a squash handicap match against Jimmy Sierra and Lance Diamond. We see Owen Hart dive through the sunroof of the DX limo and attract Triple H. Michael's and China jump back inside as the car pulls away and drives off. Mero is out for a pro but his microphone's dead. Goldust comes out dressed as Sable to disrobe Mero. Mero takes on Vader. Sable came out mid-match and kicked Goldust in the ribs, which distracts Mero. Vader takes advantage and hits the Vader bomb, but Goldust hits him with a coconut for the DQ limo returns hunter sean and china emerge and enter the arena Sean is noticeably limpling but there's no shine of owen hart during the break austin takes out vader backstage with a trash can. we get the rock and dilo brown taking on ken shamrock and mark henry henry is wearing a rocky sucks t-shirt the rock tells him he's going to rip it off his fat ugly ass shamrock goes to the ankle lock on rock but henry takes him out with a clothesline henry follows up on Shamrock with a pastime down the national beat down shamrock Rock tears the Rocky t- Sucks T-shirt away to reveal Henry wearing an N.O.D. shirt. The Rock presents the newest member of the N.O.D. to Farouk, who ev- evidently wasn't included in the decision. DX kick-off hour number two. Hunter says that Owens is the final remnant of what used to be in the WWF. Sean takes the mic and addresses Mike Tyson. He dares Tyson to stick his nose in Sean's business because Sean will dance all over his face. Sean says he wants to address Kane, but Owen Hart appears on the Titantron with a bloody cheek and he wants some more of DX. Hunter says Owen is real tough talking trash on a screen. Owen comes down the Rway and threatens to break Helmsley's other leg. He swings his crutch here and they get into a shouting match while the refs keep them separated. Jim Cornette introduces the Rock and Roll Express to take on the DOA. Cornette gets caught by the ref hitting a racket shot for the DQ. The Rock and Roll Express and Cornette beat down Skull and 8-Ball until Chains makes the save. Cactus Jack cuts a promo at Beaver Stadium at Penn State University. He puts over our crazy tough Terry Funkes and promises that he and Chainsaw Charlie will make the lives of the New Age outlaws a living hell. The artist formerly known as Dust Dressers Do Love is out the face of mankind. Austin comes down and hits both men with stunners shortly into the match for a DQ. Vincent McMahon appears backstage and invites Mike Tyson to the Royal Rumble. He guarantees that Tyson will be on Raw next Monday. Sonny introduces the next match, Los Bariquas vs. Takamichi Yoku and Scott trailer Taylor, even. Hazel's Castillo hits a reverse superplex on Taylor for the win. The Bariquas beat down men uh, both men after the match until Owen Hart runs out with the crutch and clears the ring. DX is back out again. Shaw Michael says he wants to welcome the Wandering Kane into DX. That brings out Undertaker, who tells Sean to leave his family out of this and to focus on the Royal Rumble. Undertaker attempts to choke Sam Michaels, China then stops him. Taker goes to choke down China, but Hunter hits him with a crutch to prevent it. Taker stares down Hunter, which allows Sean to hit the sweet in music. Hunter and Sean then beat down Taker until the lights go out and Kane appears to save his brother. Hunter stops Kane from attacking Michaels and DX bails to the back. Taker gets to his feet and with Kane on the stage he points towards his brother and Taker poses the corner to set on fire. We're scheduled for the public drawing of the Royal Rumble entrance numbers with all 30 men in the ring. Sharrock comes out and attacks Mark Henry for Honky Tonk Man comes down revealing himself as an entrant. The fighting stops and things calm down until Stone Cold Steve Austin hits the ring, hits a golden with the stunner and sparks mass chaos. The nation attack Austin from behind on the stage and beat him down as the show goes off the air.
0: Everybody- and now he's got, oh, he's got for the ride. No. with a crunch, And now Hilton! Undertaker. And now Michael's using Helmsley's crutch. The Undertaker being hammered with that crutch after the Sweet Tin music. Michael continues to assault the Undertaker. And now Helmsley, the WWF champion, asserting himself. This is the Holly Moon of Oh, oh my! Don't tell me! Uh oh. Oh, boy! Oh, boy! What oh, are we gonna get... do? Generation X, because this is his final chance. This will be the end of the Undertaker. This is the other rumble. Yes, the Undertaker will not. Oh, no, 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 no! Kane has Michaels. Michaels may go for a ride. No, to late. Nobody wants any part of Kane. Kane has come to help his brother. Unbelievable. Generation X. He better get out of here. Kane's right behind him. He's after him. Run, Hunter, if you can. Generation X laid waste to the Undertaker until the Taker's brother, Kane. I'll guarantee you one thing. We're gonna have a new WWF champion at WrestleMania. Kane will be there. You gotta believe he'll negate Michaels in China and then it'll be one-on-one and when that happens The Undertaker will be the new champion and all that Kane apparently is extending his hand in some sort of bond or friendship to his older brother and The Undertaker is returning it what a oh what a moment what a moment in the world wrestling all right.
3: come out of the tvs before we get into the pay-per-view uh nothing groundbreaking i don't think on the on the first two tvs of the month i mean there was certainly the stuff kind of talking about mike tyson but given that that thing kind of explodes the night after the rumble we'll we'll leave that for for after the show uh there was one angle in particular I, i wanted to discuss before we get there which is the the angle featuring undertaker Shawn michaels triple h china and Kane um on the 12th of january edition of raw um so we have sure michaels come out with with the rest of dx and undertaker comes out as well um you know they get into a bit of a back and forth undertaker ends up choking out michaels they end up beating up undertaker and then as michaels is kind of punching away him the lights go out the organ hits kane comes out and kane starts attacking dx um now you know they were never going to turn Kane babyface this soon or they judging by the reactions he's been getting that may not be a thing they'll be able to decide for much more in the next couple of months um, but Eric I, I thought this was a, an interesting angle for two reasons one just to, one because I thought it was an interesting plot point on the Undertaker and Kane story and an interesting way of kind of presenting Kane as this big guy but also the fact that you know they might have quite a big baby face on their hands in not too long
5: yeah, th- this was, I thought this was really good. And, and the reason was, uh, it's tough now in modern uh, wrestling here in the, in this new era uh, where things happen immediately and storylines change on a dime and people are going between companies that the Fed can build a storyline uh, for six, seven, eight, 9 10 months uh, for a match, presumably uh, at WrestleMania. Um but in order to do that, you can't just have them cut promos on each other uh, at 6.05 Eastern every Saturday like Dusty and Nikita and they used to be able to do leading up to Starcade. You have to take twists, you have to take turns, and you have to really establish how manipulative and how evil this Kane character is. I mean... What we saw at the end of the Rumble establishes that, but here you can see Paul Bearer and Kane just twisting the knife on the Undertaker, making the Undertaker think, gosh, he's, he's really come around. This is my brother. And it really made the Undertaker vulnerable for the first time possibly ever. Um, so this, this twist, this turn with Kane uh, aligning with the Undertaker uh, temporarily, fleetingly, like you said, for six days, Bob, I think was a necessary momentary, uh, zig or zag in the storyline in order to keep things fresh between the two so people don't get to March 29th through the end of March at WrestleMania and think, God, it's about damn time. Um, this was really good. To your second point, if Kane can come out of this and not totally ruined by, you know, uh, The Undertaker probably Ultimately going over at this feud, whether it's at WrestleMania or down the road, I think they can keep Kane strong enough and the crowd really seems to like this guy and he's definitely unlike anything we've ever seen in the, in the Fed or really on a national scale. Yeah, I think Kane's got, you know, kick ass sympathetic, um, baby face written all over him, much like The Undertaker is now. It might be interesting to see if they could switch roles and maybe have The Undertaker who did actually murder his parents uh be the heel in this feud at some point down the road as it develops post mania. Davinda what do you think? I,
4: I think um I agree with Eric. I think this is uh definitely um a page turner in the book that is Kane and the Undertaker. Uh like he said, if we get to Mania without any type of drama, just a bunch of promos and fire and lightning, it would be good. with this happening, this makes everybody undertaker included think wow okay so kane is coming over to our side so we're cool but then the rumble happened and it just makes you not like the guy even more and um it's a it's a good degree in, in the character of kane and um it'll be interesting just because like eric said undertaker was the one who started the fire now why are we still cheering for him so there, there is that that kind of Cain is kind of justified sometimes in wanting to get revenge because it, they, you know, they were his parents, and um, this is this is something that that just makes you want to look at it even more. After the fire, after the casket match, it just makes you want to be like, okay, what are they going to do next now? Because this is getting really good.
3: Yeah, I mean we. We, I, i've spoken at length the wcw show in the last 12 months about you know even even the stuff wcw is booking well is, is quite uh shallow in terms of uh what shallow in terms of depth shallow in terms of the, the level of detail um and the same can be said uh, in a lot of cases for for everything we've seen in the last couple of years for both wf and, and wcw in terms of a lot of their key storylines are very very basic um, this feels like it's got a lot of layers, even though there's perhaps only you know two characters, three characters directly involved. This one feels like they've they've been building something for a while, um, and you know Kane's wrestled what one match, two matches, and like he's already a guy that you feel is uh, on, on on television or pay per view at least. He's already a guy that feels credible. He's already a guy getting very very good reactions at house shows, which again says a lot um, in in terms of. You know, where we are now and and you know where they might have to go in terms of that character it's not it wouldn't be the the first time they've had to turn a character prematurely because of crowd reactions um but but i liked it as i say, i th- I, I I perhaps liked it not so much for what it meant for what happened at the pay-per-view but probably more so much for what it said of what they could potentially do down the line um yeah you know, i like, always...
4: f- feel i feel like it, it was kind of it was kind of like uh a... Maybe they didn't mean it to be that way, but it was kind of an experiment like, Hey, let's try this to see what kind of reaction he would get if he were a face. And, um, yeah, I I think it worked out great. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
3: Uh Uh, And I feel like, you know, I've always been a big believer that it's far easier to get someone over quickly as a heel than it is to get someone over quickly as a babyface. And any time you can do both, you've got something. Um, You know, they debuted around the same time. and It's it's an easy-ish comparison to make with Bill Goldberg. But I do feel like we kind of are following those guys in parallel. And as much as they're both quite different they are both quite similar in that they're both being booked as these unstoppable monsters and much like with steve austin and much like with other guys if you book a guy that never shows weakness don't be surprised if people start cheering him uh um, right. now with goldberg that's the plan with Kay perhaps it wasn't um but you know i i don't think we're in a position now in 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 wrestling where it stands right now where you can complain if if a guy gets over in the wrong way there's so many misses in wrestling at the moment that if a guy gets over whether it's whether you intended to or not um and that's not to say this is going against what they planned um you know but the the, the, the fact he's getting a good reaction, I think, is is the biggest positive of all here, even if they've got to uh, weave that for the next few months. Um, and Eric, it, it, I suppose the other thing as well is that it, it also sets... If they want to pivot in that direction, it also sets up Kane for, for Shawn Michaels and, and, and Triple H down the line as well. Uh, I suspect the Undertaker view will, will last for a while longer to the point where it will only be like a, a throwback more than it will be an important plot point. Um, but it sets Kane up in amongst that group of Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Steve Austin, Triple H, The Rock. Kane is in there now already.
5: Yeah. He's definitely a top guy and it makes you wonder. There's still a lot to go, and we talked about on the news. Will it be Austin and Michaels? Will it be Tyson? And how will Hogan come around? That doesn't seem super likely, but it's still it's still moving forward in a lot of different ways. But presumably, if you have Austin come away from WrestleMania with the world title, you have Shawn Michaels there, who's you know probably their second or third biggest star at this point, looking for something to do. It looks like Triple H is on the rise, um, or at least will be after he recovers from this uh, inconvenient knee injury. Um, and, more inconvenient for Owen Hart. But anyway, um, and then, yeah, what do you do with these top guys who have only been kind of title obsessed, like Sean, like Austin, like Rock with the IC title? And and what do you do with guys uh, in feuds that don't involve the belt after after all these things wrap up, presumably at WrestleMania or shortly thereafter? It's really important. You see it in WCW. They can headline multiple pay-per-views a year with different combination of guys, Savage and DDP hogan and sting giant and luger and savage and that group of people fed hasn't really been able to do that over the last couple of years this is the closest they seem to be on the doorstep of of uh, getting more depth on the top of the line and allowing them to have more variations and not just be so reliant on every storyline sur- uh, on the main event level uh, surrounding the world title
3: let's move on to the per view shall we uh, eric the 1998 royal rumble kick us off with the results
5: yes uh, in the opening match, Vader defeated the Artist, formerly known as Goldust. Uh, in a Minis Trios match, Max Mini, Mosaic, and Nova defeated Battalion, El Torito, and Tarantula. Uh, the Rock retained the Intercontinental Championship uh, in a disqualification win over Ken Shamrock. Uh, the Legion of Doom uh, did defeat the New Age Outlaws, uh, but it was by disqualification uh, in a match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble. Uh, he last eliminated The Rock, and I will read the participants now. Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, Tom Brandy, The Rock, Mosh, Phineas I. Godwin, 8-Ball, Blackjack Bradshaw, Owen Hart, Steve Blackman, Dilo Brown, Kurgan, Mark Merrow, Ken Shamrock, Thrasher, Mankind, we're really going to enter a home run here of talent. Goldust, Jeff Jarrett, the Honky Tonk Man, Ahmed Johnson, Mark Henry, Skull, Kama Mustafa, Stone Cold Steve Austin, thank God, at number 24. Henry O. Godwin, Salvio Vega, Farouk, Dude Love, Chains, and Vader. And then in the main event match, Shawn Michaels retained the World Heavyweight Championship in a casket match against The Undertaker. Davina, what do you think of this show?
4: The, the, uh, the show itself, I, I think can stand alone as a good pay-per-view. Uh, the Royal Rumble match, though, I mean, uh, in the build-up, everybody was talking about everybody's gunning for Austin. Everybody wants to take out Austin. It immediately makes him a threat and immediately in the fans' eyes just makes everybody think, I guess everybody's afraid of Austin. It kind of, uh, kind of, it doesn't damage their characters, but it just makes their characters seem inferior to Austin. Now, um the, it was, I, I thought it was kind of fun. McFoley coming out as every one of his, uh, gimmicks. Um, the, uh, the Vader Goldust match, I, I could have really done without. Uh, the Minis match, I thought was a lot of fun though. Um, especially Sonny being there, but I think, uh, this guy, Max Mini, he's, uh, he's awesome. He gets the crowd going. A good, uh, it set the tone for the night. It was a good build up, all those matches, and the, the, the undercard. The Rumble match was obviously, you know, Austin's moment, and it was just a huge, huge angle at the end with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker.
3: Right.
5: I think the function of a good Royal Rumble like the 97 Rumble did last year is to really get things into place moving forward for WrestleMania and to continue storylines logically and conclude those that need to conclude before moving on uh, to this home run stretch before, uh, before the big event at the end of March. And I think this pay-per-view accomplished that uh, in pretty much all of all of the instances where it could. Um, this wasn't a work-rate show, uh, but this was a very good storyline show. I, I don't think you can watch this show and complain about what it means in the bigger picture, even if some of the matches weren't that great, if the work rate, work rate wasn't there, and uh, if if some of the matches went a bit long. I think we can look at the show and think, yeah, that the, all that made sense if we assume uh, we know where we're going with a lot of these storylines.
3: Yeah, it's not to say that the the work rate in the WWF has has dropped necessarily in the last few years, but you know it feels like right now they've got more momentum than at any time they've had since we started this show. Um, and yet this really is a a three-man roster. Um, you know, you know, I, I yeah, you know, there's I've got positive things to say about The Rock and Ken Shamrock, but those are guys on the way up. They're not guys that are different difference makers yet um you know the rest of the undercard you could you know the spot they've got vader in i bloody hell um uh, the rest of the undercard really was missable for me the rumble was uh, another illustration of the lack of star power that was a really long stretch in the middle i was surprised how badly they led the rumble match out as well um we'll get to it when we get there but um in terms of You know, it it might contradict what I said a few minutes ago about Kane, but I'm kind of surprised they didn't have someone like him just kill a few people in the middle. But I guess if you want to keep him healed for now, that would be a bad idea. Um, But yet again, um, uh, I don't want to say a show that was saved by Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker on top, because Austin within the Rumble was, you know, again, it seems like... It seems like if we can get Austin over as this megastar, even if it's the expense of almost literally everyone else, um, it's a net positive. Um, but, you know, the main event really did save this show. Another well-executed, major feeling match. Um, and then we haven't actually mentioned it on this show yet. It does say a lot about how much the the... Uh, the, the Tyson and Hogan stuff dominate the headlines this much so that I didn't actually cram into the news that the show ended up with Undertaker being set on fire inside a <laughs> casket. um but I, I'll mention it now so it doesn't come as a complete surprise.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's um, like, by the way.
3: Yeah, a little bit about that. Well, I mean, in my defence, right, because they didn't want to send the crowd home unhappy, the show went off the air with like the casket like on fire, they put the fire out and then they kind of opened up the lid and just went, just by, by the way guys, he's not there he did get out like, you know, it's a little way to the, the the live crowd. home happy at least. Um, so, you know, but yeah, this has been, uh, in 35,000 words over the, over the two newsletters this month, uh, that got mentioned for like 200 of them. And Mike Tyson probably got mentioned for about 19,000 of them. Right. Um, so proportionately at least they were represented well enough in the news. Anyway, we were in San Jose, California. We cut to Mike Tyson, who's high in the sky in a skybox. Lots of booze for that. What it's worth, Mike Tyson, probably the biggest heel on the show. Uh, well, that's worth. Uh, we open up with the artist formerly known as Goldust with Luna Vashon against Vader Goldust cuts off Vader as he's getting in the ring he's wearing green and purple striped long singlet it's every bit the horror show that you would imagine we get on the outside and Vader picks up the ring stats that the ref cuts him off Vader bounces off of the ropes Luna grabs hold of his ankle and gives Goldust the advantage who he headbutts Vader in the nuts Luna chokes out Vader on the floor Vader does a ten punch then kisses Vader um Vader does a 10 punch then Goldust kisses Vader. I'll try it again. Goldust has a 10-poach, then kisses Vader. Get it right the third time. Vader comes out of the corner and flips Goldust over the clothesline. Jim Ross says the former Intercontinental champion almost knocked out of his paint. Goldust wants a body slam, but he can't lift Vader. Vader hits a suplex and a standing splash for a two. Vader goes for a Vader bomb, Luna distracts the ref, and Goldust gets up and low blows him. Goldust goes for a sunset flip. Vader sits out on it after missing the move earlier. He lands it this time. Vader again shapes to the Vader bomb. Luna chases after him and jumps on his shoulders. Vader just does the Vader bomb anyway with Luna on his shoulders and wins the match cleanly. That was an excellent finish. Eric,
5: I'm not going to uh, be in the majority here, but I felt this was an enjoyable match. Uh, surprisingly so. So look, Vader comes out. Gold Dust comes out first, and the crowd is dead. Nobody knows what to make about Gold Dust. I think I'm the only person on Earth who finds this at least mildly amusing, just to see where the hell it goes.
3: Vince um, McMahon does. There's okay. two of you.
5: All right, well, I'm not going to defend Vince again. I did enough of that in December. Um, but anyway, uh, and then Vader comes out, and it's like it's 1993 again, and the crowd just explodes for this guy. And I know it's the first major show that San Jose's had probably ever, at least in a long time. But, man, Vader was just – to use the term, over with this crowd. And he was, and he got that huge pop. And then he came out, and with the exception of a couple spots in the middle of the match, beat the piss out of Goldust for about eight minutes. Uh, and that finished, the visual with Vader climbing up the, the turnbuckle and Luna hanging off, and then Vader coming down and Luna going ass over tea kettle on top of Vader. Just fantastic. We can't expect Goldust to have a good match. That ship has sailed. This match was an opportunity for Vader to beat the shit out of Goldust, establish himself as the monster killer that he is, and hopefully move forward to a uh, some type of relevant storyline. Who the hell knows what they're going to do with Vader, but at least they made Vader look good here. And this Goldust character, take it for what it is, and at least Vader beat the piss out of him.
3: Take it for what it is, the worst character that I've ever seen. (laughs) Davinda, what do you think?
4: I think the phrase, take it for what it is, is exactly what you need to do with Goldust. Um, Eric, I'm going to have to sit down with you, probably have some lunch, because I need a long discussion on how you find this amusing. I'm, I'm seeing this guy come out, and um, I'm, I'm trying to find out what he's trying to put across. I, I I don't get it. I don't even know how to explain my confusion. So um, the pop that Vader got was awesome. It 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 got me into it. You know what I mean? And um, it was the finish was good. That that's what I remember mostly of it. It was a lot of um, it, it was about getting Vader over. And I, I think they uh, over what happened in the summer. And I, I think uh, they need to work on him again. I mean, he is he is a monster. He's athletic as hell, and he can do a lot. But they, uh, I, I don't know what they're doing with him. But I think the, the match did what it was supposed to do, which was, uh, make Vader look like the monster that he is. And, uh, Luna being a good sport, taking that bump, and, uh, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, it did what it had to do. That, that was about it. Take it for what it is, right guys?
3: Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think we're a couple of years too late on the whole, let's try and get vader over with a simple squash win. Uh, I think it says a lot they're doing nothing with vader and yet they still just thought uh eh, just have him go over cleanly on gold dust who they are. At least trying to do something with um yeah um I- I- i'm very short on pulses on this match it was fine. uh the-, the finish was rather good. I'll give them that. I mean luna kind of you know when i say she was on vader's shoulders she was kind of hanging on his shoulders rather than say in a, you know, in a fireman carry position. She was facing the other way. She was facing forwards. So invader jumped backwards. She kind of just went over and almost landed on her head. Um, it didn't look comfortable bump to take, but, but fair, fair play for her for taking it because I think it's the, it's the only bit of this match you're going to remember in six months. Um, and the crowd popped big for it. Um, but that probably is where my, uh, where my praise ends for this. Michael Cole cuts off Steve Austin as he arrives in his truck. Austin says, park my damn truck, and if you scratch it, you're going to get your ass whipped. He buggers off, the Godwin's then getting Cole's face, and they're looking for Austin. Out comes Sunny, and she's refereeing. Next up, it's a six-man minis match between Battalion, Tarantula and El Torito against Nova, Mosaic and Match Mini. Max Mini. And I simply started by saying, forgive me for these match notes, knowing what I'm expecting to follow. Nova <laughs> hits an arm drag on Tarantula and a head Tarantula misses a kick into the ropes in Tag Max and Battalion. Max hits an arm drag, another big one and then a high-flying one. The crowd have no idea what to make of this. Torito sends Mosaic flying high into the air. The big hero in this match is Jim Ross for clearly calling out who's who. Mosaic gets then airborne again but counters this one into an arm drag. Sonny has been a complete non-factor so far. Nova sends Torito into the floor. Mike Tyson's watching on and he's pretending to be excited at least. Mosaic and Battalion do a routine that's impressive yet literally nobody cares about. Tarantula flattens Max twice with big kicks. At least Jerry Lawler's having a good time firing off some short jokes. Torito gets talking uh, talking to from Sonny after a closed fist. Sonny and Max attempt a leaf frog spot. They kind of screw it up, and so they just reset. Sonny then lifts Max up and A's in doing a few drop kicks. Mosaic hits a big flip, die to the floor. Torito Tra- hits a a, pa- uh, I say, tarantula. Torito hits a plancher, Max hits a corkscrew. There's four of them out there. So Tarantula hits a tope, and then Nova hits an acai moonsault. Max hits a head takeover and wins it with a crucifix pin. The Yes, sir.
4: What did um, you think? Th- this was a the only thing that after after watching this. Uh, I felt like them coming out in threes and being introduced all together. The, the crowd didn't know who was who unless they were really following the mini division. Um along with the mini division, I'm afraid that anybody who isn't familiar with uh Mexican professional wrestling think that this is exactly the way it is. There are there are a lot of talented uh Mexican luchadores and they are they do some beautiful beautiful stuff and not taking anything away from these guys but i feel like the wwf is putting it forward as uh hey we're gonna have some fun with these little guys and but i gotta tell you jerry lawler with those short jokes was was just golden that with along with the acai moon to the outside was was that was it for me that was what uh that was a highlight of, of, of the match for me uh Jerry Lawler was, uh, just ruthless with all these short jokes. And the guys, they tried to do what they could, but just like you said, uh, nobody really cared. They, they looked around and they're just like, all right, well, looks like I'm going to go get a beat, which is a shame because these guys are actually talented. It just, uh, the crowd wasn't into it. And I don't think they're presenting the uh, mini division, um, as seriously as it deserves.
5: All right. This match in a in a vacuum was fun, pointless, entertaining stuff. Uh, you know, it still had more psychology than most of the WCW trios matches with the full size luchadors. Um, and so, Did well, it's, well, it's, that, 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 that's that's a wash, isn't it? That, that 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 question. The fact, yeah, the fact that it doesn't really matter. Uh, this match, like all those matches, had no psychology and was kind of there just to keep the crowd hot. I think whatever Sonny was fine but Bob why wasn't why why not put Takamichi Noku in this spot you've got the shiny new light heavyweight champion you got this you know this baby-faced kid from Japan who the crowd seems to be into you put the you know the brand new title on him and he's just nowhere to be found and instead you get this minis match which was eight minutes long why not give Takamichi Noku a chance to shine against somebody else and exploit that division which is really more akin to what WCW is trying to do than just stick this pointless minis match out there, I guess, if, unless the argument is just to get Sonny some screen time, but that's a bad argument.
3: I think you guys are both being very generous on this match. I thought this was awful. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean like, Davinda, you make, you make a fair point. I think this in front of a different audience would have stuck. I mean, you know, forget the, you know, I don't know, I don't, uh, the Mexican audience necessarily would have needed Sonny. Uh, needed Sonny. Um, but these guys are working their asses off, and I've never seen apathy like that for action like this. As in, no one gave a shit. Like the the harder they tried, the less the crowd cared. It was really impressive. Um, but like I I just I cannot think of a guy less well equipped to book a division of guys under four foot tall than Vince McMahon.
4: Let me let me you ask know, you guys something. If if oh. the same match if the same match happened with men who not to be politically incorrect but were regular height would that have made a difference to the crowd?
3: No, we've seen this in WCW too we, with yeah. the with the full with the full size Mexicans. We've seen the same thing. Although, I'm not sure it's I, I... incorrect to pick up people because of their height. Um, Maybe it is but on the on the scale of uh infractions I suspect it's one of the small ones. smaller ones there we go um but yeah like you know to, to me this was just I think they just put them out there just because you know not that Tacker was in the the rumble itself anyway I know he's been he's been training recently so it's possible they just didn't have him at the show um but you know they it doesn't help. It really doesn't help when you send Sonny out there, though. And this is kind of my point. Vince McMahon has done, does, done this with the Cruiserweights in the last couple of months, too. Ah, Cruiserweight match, no one gives a shit. We'll send Runny out, Sonny out to referee to give the crowd something to be invested in. The problem is you send Sonny out to referee and you tell the crowd it doesn't matter. Um, right. You send Sonny out in this kind of match with these guys involved, you know, it's comedy, doesn't matter. Um, you know, it doesn't help these guys that are otherwise never on TV, it doesn't help that, you know, you could give Vince McMahon 500 years, I don't think he can not with a way of booking guys this size, I don't think it's in his, I don't think Vince McMahon knows how to book guys of this size, I'm quite surprised he even is, beyond the fact that he needs every little inch he can get against WCW, and the one thing WCW aren't doing right now is a, is a, small guy division or a mini division if you like um, and so it is at least something different um, but the style was so lost on the crowd as I say it's not like what we, we see you know you bring up Takamichi a guy before who on, on pay-per-view has gone out to complete crickets and one guys over in the last six months one right. people over in the last six months um, whether it's just because they don't get introduced whether it's the mass I'm still convinced the mass thing in North America is a problem but you know guys have made it work before and I suspect they'll make it work since i just think ultimately it's a presentation thing it is even as a second match on the card it is just a bathroom break um and they tried but i mean yeah eric this was just awful
5: yeah and we were talking about this before the show today bob and all you need to know about this match and what we talk about on this show, and how wrestling is so subjective that stars and ratings and opinions don't matter. That the Wrestling Observer gave this show, uh, this match, three and a half stars. Um,
3: and, and calling it a, a star that was like completely outdated. So if you take it, it,
5: offense to the amount of stars that your favorite match gets, you, it, the problem's with you, not with the melts. Yes. <laughs>
3: something like that. Anyway, Farouk sends Mark Henry into Austin's locker room to beat him up. Austin isn't there, but there's an Austin middle finger foam hand. We go back to the skybox and Vince and Shane McMahon are there with Tyson. We get an interview with The Rock and he gets a shot in at President Clinton. We want next to The Rock versus Ken Sharrock for the WWF Intercontinental title. Loud Rocky sucks Chance to start us off. We get start off with a pretty even steady grapple and a pull apart. Ross brings up Dan Seven who's got a competition for Shamrock's position as the toughest MMA fighter 7 has signed a deal with the WWF this month. Rock whips Shamrock into the corner and follows him with a clothesline. He tries it again in the opposite corner but Shamrock explodes out. Shamrock goes for a Hurricane Rana but Rock just drops him over the top rope. Shamrock hits a perfect plex for a 2. Rock gets up and just flattens him with a right. Rock hits a lovely float over DDT for a 2. Correct reaction for that. He goes for it again but Shamrock throws into the map. Sharrock hits a power slam for a near fall and lets out a big howl Rock cuts him off with an eye poke Sharrock hits a standing hurricane rana and here comes the nation Sharrock fights them off Dilo actually seems to legitimately get caught in the ropes so as he falls out the ring Rock hits Sharrock with the knucks the ref goes to help Dilo again Sharrock hits a belly to belly the ref turns around for what all the world looks like a fuck finish and then counts the, cl- the clean win Sharrock wins the intercontinental title or maybe it was a fuck finish. After Rock hit Shark with the knocks, he put them in Shamrock's tights. Shark looks to have won the title, but the ref somehow spots the Knox in Shamrock's tights. I don't know why he's looking there, and overturns the decision. Shamrock responds to this by hitting a belly-to-belly and putting the ref in an ankle lock. Eric, what do you think of this?
5: Bob, the reason the, the ref checked Shamrock's tights was because the Rock got up, not clutching his back or his chest after the suplex, but holding his jaw like he had gotten socked by the by the brass knucks so yeah they they covered that base too god that was a good finish wasn't it i mean come yeah. on it's not 1985 anymore and some of us wish it was but christ this would have fit so well at like starcade or with dusty and the horsemen or or something like that this was such a good finish and it keeps the 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 proverbial heat on this feud it makes the rock look like the rare intelligent heel in the wwf because their heels usually look, look like idiots And, and it keeps Ken strong too, and it gives him a reason to keep trying to overcome this. And I don't really understand Ken Shamrock personally. He's not, I don't think he's a very good worker. He's not the complete package, but it is, his best quality is, you know, getting screwed and beating up the officials and, and, and keeping the crowd on his side. And that was, that was really fun. And I think The Rock is just so good. And this, this match and the way he played the, the, the Smarmy, heel, and then going, being the Iron Man in the Royal Rumble later today uh, and on the show. God, it, The Rock just seems poised to be a, another one of those top guys, along with Sean and Austin uh, and The Undertaker moving forward. This was the second match uh, of the night so far, and I think all the matches tonight, they basically did this, except for in the minis match, where I thought, what's our finish? How do we need to get out of this? And work backwards instead of just working up a match and doing moves and moves and moves, and then a finish out of nowhere. You can tell with all these matches tonight that matter, except for the minis match, that they thought of the finish, they thought of where they needed to go, and move backwards from there. This was wonderfully executed between two guys who haven't really been doing it that long. Divinda?
4: Beautiful match. Um, I can see why you don't get Ken Shamrock, but I think... Um, I think him being presented as an outsider from the MMA world, now coming into the World Wrestling Federation. I I love the guy. I love his intensity. I love his look. The guy looks great. He looks so legitimate. And I know you were saying, Bob, earlier that you don't feel that they're difference makers yet. But this finish was so different. That's what I loved about the finish. I don't remember a finish like that. And it was genius, the way he was like working his jaw. He goes, my jaw is killing me. The guy used brass knucks. Check his tights. And the look on Shamrock's face, the ref, everything was played beautifully. The rock is money. The only thing that I wonder about the rock and, and, and I, I don't know if I've seen it before, but they hated his baby face, right? They hated his baby face character. So the crowd turned on him. They had to pull the trigger on him turning heel. Now that he's heal, he's so damn good at it that people are cheering in him. In fact, like you are this damn good that he's actually getting some cheers too. Now, what does that do in the future? It opens up for a huge, you know, possible face turn. But like the way they are right now at that level, um, these guys are great. I-, I love the match. I love the finish. Everything worked beautifully.
3: Yeah, I, you know, Charlotte was a. a a quite frequent topic of discussion last year and you know uh, i don't want to say they got it wrong with him but i think there was a window of opportunity for them to create this big explosion early last year and the the presentation of early doors was not good broadly speaking like they, they they got the occasional thing right i thought him refereeing austin and brad at wrestlemania was good him vader in may was good but broadly speaking they didn't get him right and and you know the, the the way WCW are presenting Goldberg right now may kind of defeat this point anyway. But I almost kind of wonder whether Vincent Mann signed Ken Shamrock and granted he's paying him a million dollars a year, so you know you are got to be wary about what you do with this. Almost wonder whether Vincent Mann thought we might have to chop Shamrock down a bit to to take it take this aura away of him being this unstoppable guy because we are not in a position where we want to present him like that. Chop him down a couple of levels and then bring him back up because right now it feels like shamrock and rock are kind of on the on on a level part um i suspect shamrock's getting paid a bit more money but there we are um It feels like they're both guys on the rise, and it feels like they're both contemporaries in terms of their positions on the card. Now, six months ago, eight months ago, that would have sounded ludicrous, and certainly, say in February or March, when Shamrock debuted, that would have sounded ludicrous. Um, And I don't know whether I'm giving them credit for something that they just did badly, or just their own, you know, their own cynicism over not being able to book Shamrock properly. But they now seem to be in a position where they've got him where they want him. And they can get him effectively. And it really is worth saying, Shamrock's a bloody good wrestler for a guy with not a huge amount of experience before he signed with the WWF. He'd wrestled professionally, quote unquote, before. I think it was in Japan for six months or something like that. And don't get me wrong, you know, he, he when he trains for MMA, he'll be doing a lot of grappling stuff and that kind of thing. Not, not, Rest, not pro wrestling but transferable skills so you know stuff like rim positioning and strength and things like that should be relatively simple um, but I feel like he's really really good he's one of the best wrestlers they've got right now um, and he's also one of the most interesting characters and then you put him alongside a guy like The Rock a guy who's improved a tremendous amount in the last 6 to 12 months a lot of it's been character and confidence and he's not a brilliant wrestler he may never be um but you put all that together you get two guys that you're excited to watch and this is kind of the problem with the previous matches you don't really know who they are you're not don't, not particularly bothered two guys that you're excited to watch in a match that feels like it matters um and yes to come back to what you buzz said they booked this finish really, really well i mean i, I was more of, a of the finish just for the what looked for all the world like it was going to be a near fall like a, a, a fuck finish near fall, then wasn't, and then ended up being a fuck finish. I walked straight into that one. I mean, uh, the, the thing that happened with Dino Brown looked really, really good. Like, I thought it was by accident. I mean, they, it ha- went on for so long that it, it, it probably couldn't have been, although it worked out really, really well. I mean, I guess if he falls out, the ref could just lead over and check he's okay. Um, but when, when Charlotte goes to pin Rock, and the rest, like, like, you know, trying to help out D'Lo Brown. And then a few seconds later, he turns around. like, yep, this is Rock's blown spot. And then Rock's going to pick this up now. And then they get the three. And they're like, well, I didn't see that coming. You're like, he's just won the title. I.e. Rock's fans backfired. And then they do the what they do with the reverse finish. Um, Yeah, like, it was a great match. But his favorite very, very, very doesn't say anything bad about it. Um, Two guys that are... Are uh, uh, very very likable in the roles that they're in. Um, I think they found their place for Shamrock now, and they can now start pushing him forwards rather than spend what they did kind of the a lot of last year, which was kind of reining him in. Um, yeah. Big fan of this one. I think it's, it's, it's on that front. Uh, we are now at the Boriquas who are going backstage and they're going after Austin. They attack him but it doesn't appear like him. Instead I think it's, uh, I think it was Skull in the end. And we end up with a locker room brawl with Borequas and the DOA. Next up, it's the New Age Outlaws Road Dog, Road jog? Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn versus the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. We get a typically shouty LOD promo before the match. Tag rules aren't being observed here as all four men go at it. Animal slams Road Dog with a powerbomb. The Outlaws try escaping up the aisle, but LOD bring them back. The Outlaws, for what it's worth, are wearing Brett Favre, pa- Brett Favre, Brett, Brett Favre package jerseys. Hawk hits a neck breaker, Animal hits a power slam on both outlaws. Animal gets sent into the ring steps, Hawk gets sent into the ring post and crashes on the outside. Road Dog handcuffs Hawk for the ring post, it's now two and one, and, oh, well, even the ropes even, now two and one, but Animal seems to be finding some wind here. But he comes off to the top, Animal catches him in an awkward looking power slam. Road Dog comes in with a chair properly missed time that as the ref kind of had to pull out of his three count on the three so he could smash animal over the back with the chair after the match hawk is pretty helpless on the floor as they turn one animal hawk eventually breaks the handcuffs and clears the ring divinder
4: um you guys are gonna have to forgive me for this and our listening audience gonna have to forgive me for this but i think the time for the legion of doom is done I was a huge, huge fan of them. My brother and I dressed up as them for Halloween. Just to let you know, I was Hawk. But that was that was their time. The promo that they did was so early nineties, late eighties, where everybody was screaming into the microphone. Um, it, it was just a bunch of uh bunch of hey we're gonna kick your ass and but it was longer than that. It was it was the message was short, but the the execution was long. Um, there a couple of ass kickers from Chicago. They're awesome. I love them. But um, it now it's time for the outlaws to shine. It's time for the outlaws to get put up on that level, as possibly being one of the best teams. Cause um, these guys were just thrown together, but they made it work. I think that's what makes me like them so much. That they were like, hey, we don't have anything for you guys, so. Go ahead and tag out there. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to go out there and we're going to kick ass. And they're doing that. They really are. They they're, they know how to get heat the right way. Um, the These uh, these matches are probably, you know, everybody cheering for the Legion of Doom and everything. I lost time, and I believe that strongly. All
3: right.
5: The LOD, especially Hawk, are terrible. And they were never great, but as... Devinder said they had this just magic energy around them that could capture an audience and they looked bigger and stronger and more mean and than anybody else in 1986. Um, but <laughs> nice. I, I don't know. And the fact that they had to book the last five to ten minutes of this match, however long it was, the last half of it to keep Hawk out of it essentially tells you everything you need to know. I, I don't know whether the point of this LOD presentation is for us to feel sorry for them, but that's what's happening, at least for me. Animal is still okay. Underline, underscore bold, that word okay. He made a decent accounting of himself here as he did at the Survivor Series. But as Devinder said, there's just no place for this LOD than 1998 and the WWF, you know, except maybe against the Rock and Roll Express. Um, we didn't talk about that in the news either. Thank goodness. Um, oh God. But I agree with you. The Outlaws are the, the, basically the only decent tag team in the Fed right now. Uh, and they're only getting better and stronger and finding their characters. And, you know, they're kind of, you know, similar. They're not quite as extreme, but they're kind of that same attitude as DX, that kind of like F you, we're just going to be who we are attitude. Yeah, and, you
4: know what? Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think they might, they might be doing it out of spite. I'm sure that they looked at each other when they first got teamed up and they're like, all right, well, they say they got none for us. We're going to... I think they're kind of pissed off and they're like, we're going to show them what they got. And I think that's exactly what they're doing, man.
5: Yeah. I think they're doing a great job. This, this was a necessary into a feud, which at least for me, essentially buried the LOD and exposed them as relics from a bygone era. Hawk looked to be 50 pounds heavier than he was in the late eighties. And by the way, as much as the outlaws, I, I like them. Fuck the Packers. The Niners are going to get you guys next year. Oh
3: my God. I'd uh, I'd weigh in on the NFL reference, but I don't really have any idea what anyone's talking about. Um, Bob, 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 for some some context, uh,
5: I believe it was the day, the Saturday – well, no, it was the Sunday before the show. uh, The Packers beat my beloved San Francisco 49ers for the third year in a row in the playoffs. This was in San Jose, which is kind of a suburb of San Francisco. That's why they were getting so much heat with those jerseys. I
3: appreciate the information. This
4: this is American football, sir, just just before anything – Gets confused.
3: I'm aware. It's it's not real football, you know. It's 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 you know it's it's it's, it's, it's oh, called. I'm gonna
4: start it, that conversation.
3: It, it's called football, and they throw it. I mean, you know, like there's what, what no one's ever addressed that. Like they kick it like no one's times. ever
4: addressed. That.
3: They they kick it like eight times a game. Like it's not it's it's literally isn't football. But anyway, they use their a, they
4: use their feet in the sport. Yeah.
3: Well, but but that's all sport, right? You all know, right
5: get, it, in the, get in there, ref. Get in I there just, ref. I just wanted to zoom.
3: I don't I don't call golf football because they hit a ball and walk around after it, ref. like you know. Anyway, let's 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 move on. Except that I'm right and move on. Um, yes, sir. Canadian this,
5: Stampede. Yeah.
3: Canadian um,
5: Stampede.
3: <laughs> this this yeah uh, this wasn't you know. I, I think this match showed a purpose more than we can necessarily say it was good it is the It is the style I was reading comments I think from an Owen Hart interview this month where you know they were he was telling telling us about i think it was a match with Shawn Michaels probably a few weeks ago um where you know they were telling him you've got to incorporate more of this kind of your know, hard rough style and I was like i don't think they need it the, the The one thing you can say is that for guys that can't work, I think ten years ago. You could have got away not being able to work. Now, like, if you can't work you brawl. Um and, and not that not that the L O D ten years ago were necessarily any different, but this is now the kind of the blueprint really. Um, you know. I care about the New Age Outlaws and Acts far more than I did the two guys individually. I'm not sure I care about the New Age Outlaws that much at the moment as it is, but it's certainly the proof of what they've got before. Um, Davinda, if you're right to the conclusion that the Legion of Doom were, were outdated in 1998, I think I got there about 18 months before you did. Um, as in they felt like that for a while now. Um, they do feel outdated. It doesn't feel like they've adapted at all or in any way. Um, they're not, they're not particularly exciting anymore they're not particularly different they're not particularly contemporary um they haven't particularly involved them in any way they are just there
4: Um, That that was exactly gonna say that you see now look at the undertaker eight years ago he started with no selling you know like selling nothing just zombie like moving around really slow matches what did he do he kept his character fresh he started making little tweaks started working more and now here we are almost 10 years later and he's still relevant. He's still like in people's but, minds. But, like I want so, to cheer for this guy, you know, for,
3: for the LOD though. Isn't it a case of they're, they're the, they're the band that, that don't do new music anymore. They're the band that just go around and do their greatest hits. Isn't it a case of if you're employing the LOD, you're employing them for the nostalgia pop. Do what you did 10, 12 years ago. Isn't that the kind of point? Yes. I suppose. Anyway, There we are. There are four video packages of Steve Austin. I'm not suggesting they're signposting anything here, but it's literally the final thing that airs before the Rumble <laughs> starts. And on to the 1998 Royal Numble, Ma- Royal, Numble try it. Royal Rumble match. As is always the case, I'll kind of chop the match review into four parts, so i am be for what feels like an eternity. Out number one is Cactus Jack. Number two is Chainsaw Charlie. They really should have had him saw through the entrance, but uh, there we are. Funk actually enters the ring with his chainsaw. Jack's already bought a beer and starts throwing some chairs. Jack slaps the chainsaw out of Funk's hand. The crowd are subdued. The ref reaches in and removes the chainsaw, which is probably a good idea. The chairs still remain as Jack whacks Funk over the head, who does a staggering, staggered drunk routine. Jack offers the chair. Funk accepts it and then smashes Jack over the head. And again, these are hard shots. Number three is Tom Brandy. He gets double teamed by Funk and Jack. They chuck him out and Jack suplexes Funk onto two chairs. Number four is The Rock. He gets in some offence. Then Jack hits him over the head with the bin. He then puts it over his head and Funk and Jack take their shots. The crowd get going for that. He gets hit over the head and falls through, but not over the top rope. Number five is headbanger Mosh. Funk does a moonsault onto Mosh. I think he missed. I'm not sure whether that was the idea or not. He missed. The commentator saw it like he missed. We're not actually sure if he missed. And Mosh showed him like he hit. So there we go. Number six is Phineas Godwin. Living proof of what happens when first cousins marry, as JR says. Funk is doing flare chops on Rocky in the corner. Number seven is eight ball. Catch a jack then gets eliminated by Funk. Number eight is Blackjack Bradshaw and Funk nearly gets eliminated, but then hangs on. Uh, Eric, first point in the match. um, uh, Comedy is the the angle, but it's going to be the story of a lot this match. They are about three or four stars short of a compelling rumble.
5: Yeah, kind of a a hybrid comedy match, hardcore garbage match. I mean, it tells you a lot when the first thing through the curtain uh, when this match starts is a trash can and not a wrestler um but you know uh yeah not a lot of star power we're gonna see this through on and it only gets kind of worse from here um thank goodness for the rock and we're gonna say that a lot tonight at least to have some semblance of a star in there to steady the ship while these guys all kind of sort themselves out and folks jump out of the pool in mass because this match kind of is booked in in you know two or three pretty obvious segments the first 10 minutes of this match, so, I'm sorry, I just, Terry Funk, Chainsaw Charlie, that was entertaining, the unprotected chair shots are nasty and awful, but, you know, 53, 54 year old Terry Funk, however he is carrying the first 10 minutes of this match, what what can't that guy do?
3: That's a, that's a very short list, Ivinda, what do you think?
4: Uh, I, I agree with Eric, uh, uh, the star in here and it's a lot of uh just hanging out in the corner watching two guys at it in the middle um and it's uh you know teased eliminations uh the beginning I think was fun because um it gave a different feel to the rumble Uh it did it, it I mean the two of them going at it made me remember Axe and Smash from Demolition starting the rumble like just going at it, there was no, there was no, uh, oh man, should I do this? This guy's my partner. No, it was none of that. Like say, let's go at it. And, uh, the, the, the chair shots were just sick. They were sick. And, uh, it goes to show the the longer, you know, somebody, the harder you're going to be on them. But again, there was, it's not, it wasn't a lot, you know, Tom Brandy, like who, and then, uh, the rock comes out and, you know, and, and uh, rock, rock, rock does this thing throughout the whole thing.
3: Yeah, it says a lot when you, 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 th- you know, the, the Rock, a guy who's, you know, on the way up, but he's still on the way up, and you're like, like, fuck for that. um, you know, and that, that is not gonna be something that's gonna change anytime soon. I think on the, on the Jack and start Charlie stuff, at least, well I say at least, it would have worked better in front of a different audience. You know, we are West Coast at the moment. If we'd have been in the Northeast, the crowd that was more exposed to this star and seen more ccw If we were in Philadelphia, for example, um, I think that would have be been a really hot star. As it was, it was just interesting, perhaps nothing more. Um, if I didn't say number eight being Blackshirt short, I'll mention it now. Number nine is Owen Hart. We get Jarrett and Cornette come out too. They then cut to Mike Tyson, who's very animated. Jarrett then attacks Owen and Cornette, gets some racket shots in. It's safe to say that Owen is not making his way into the match yet. Number ten is Steve Blackman. Blackman sends Funk over the top, but his feet don't touch the floor. Number eleven is D-Lo Brown. Funk is still clinging on, and Rocky and D'Lo start going at it. Number 12 is Kurgan, he takes some shots from Mosh but no sells them, he then throws out Mosh. Blackman shakes for a kick but misses him and Kurgan absolutely towers over him. Number 13 is Mark Merrow with Sable, fans chant Sable's name, Kurgan throws the Blackman over the top. Number 14 is Ken Sharrock who's out before the buzzer, he takes down Kurgan, he bizarrely hasn't found the rock yet. Kurgan gets eliminated then by 10 guys and number 15 is Headbanger Thrasher. Um... To Vinda, it's a list of Owen Hart, Steve Blackman, Dino Brown, Kogan, Mark Merrow, Ken Shamrock, and Headbanger Thrasher. It's hardly the the who's who of, of name value in wrestling right now.
4: Right. Um, to tell you the truth, after what happened uh, this past November, even though he may have not have had a lot of momentum coming in with Owen Hart getting taken out, like I thought he was going to pull a Bret Hart and come back later. And how how awesome would it have been to win the rumble and go on to face Shawn Michaels who screwed your brother, you know? But um that's really all that happened. Kurgan Kurgan seems like uh, god damn it, only if the guy can work. He looks good, he's tall as hell. But and he's uh the typical monster that they want to push. But um nothing uh just I, I I really didn't see much. It was a lot of just like I said, hanging out in the corner and then the segment in the middle of the ring.
5: Right. Man, I bagged on him earlier, so I'll give him credit now. Meltzer had a line in the Observer this month where he said, after a couple of months of training, Kurgan now looks like a 55-year-old giant Baba as opposed to a 60-year-old giant Baba. I thought that was just the best line. Um, yeah, if, if there was anybody in this match that was going to have that diesel spot where you just come in, throw 10 guys over, get eliminated, it builds you up and it gives them an opportunity to see whether you can get over as a as a big, you know, lumbering uh monster it was going to be kurgan the fact they didn't do that with the guy the fact that i think he was in the match for two three four minutes tops i don't know whether he eliminated many people at all it, kurgan was the guy to come in throw five or six of these underneath guys over seven guys and then you have the spot the andre spot the big john stud spot the yokozuna spot where everybody teams up and tosses them over that's how you do it they didn't do it i don't think kurgan's you know fit for that role the rest of this this was this was truly the placeholder spot in this match. But yeah, on Kurgan, uh, I think the ship has sailed. If you look at how they've uh, built uh, a book, big guys uh, in past Rumbles.
3: I think you're you're probably overdoing it to imply there was even the ship in the first place. Um, but yeah, uh, this match needed something. Whether Kurgan chucking five or six guys out would have been it, I don't know, but it would have been better than nothing.
5: Or bring um, Vader, we say Vader all the time, but bring Vader in at fifteen and have him do it just to do something with those with that big guy kicking ass spot. There's not many guys that can do it outside of those two. I don't know who else you would do.
3: Yeah, I mean that's kind of my thought as we'll get deeper into this match, was you know, they, they they just it's almost like someone forgot to eliminate people for about fifteen minutes and there's gonna be a big rush later on um this really would have been a spot where it'd been like it might have been might have been smarter here to have a a vader come out someone that you can convincingly put in that spot know he'll get a reaction but also reliably think well you know if we call vader off in a couple of months it doesn't really matter you know it's vader going through the motions almost just someone come out clear the ring and lead us with with well vader and the rock um And then it would have given us the basis for a second half of the match. As it was, this match just seemed to accumulate crap for a long time. Um, yeah, it, brought- it did
4: fill up. And I, you were mentioning earlier, like, why didn't they put Kane in there? And uh, thinking about that, Kane would have been perfect to come and clear what happens. Does he show weakness in being eliminated? How does he sell it? How does he react? He's only been in a position where he's been... Just kicking ass everywhere. So yeah, I don't think, I, think that was the I don't thing. think they wanted him, I don't think they wanted him to, cause they put him in there, you're gonna make him unstoppable. Unstoppable means you're winning the Rumble. So I think that's why they strayed away from making that decision.
3: Yeah, it was, it was a combination of that and the fact that if, if you put him in there and have him kill 10 guys, like we talk about him, like, you know, sort of like be a good face in the future, you kind of turn him face. We saw that with Diesel a few years ago. Um That's right. and, and and you know, while it might be a good setup for him kind of screwing Undertaker later on, you kinda of run the risk of him coming out attacking Undertaker and him getting cheered. Um, you know, I don't think they wanted to run that risk. So yeah, I think it was a combination of that and as you say, they just you know, you put him in there, he's gotta lose it. Um, which wouldn't be ideal. Anyway. On to number sixteen, which is Mankind. Obviously they reckon for about fifteen minutes for a costume change. He eliminates Chainsaw Charlie and then Shark finally starts going after the rock. Number seventeen, fucking hell it's Gold Dust. He's actually got face paint done up like Kane of all people. Gold dust then eliminates Mankind. Well I suppose that gives him time to go to the back and get changed again. Maybe Charlie will come back out as Terry Funk. Number 18 is Jeff Jarrett with Jim Cornette. Owen Hart charges out and goes straight for Jarrett in the ring uh, because Owen obviously never entered the match. He's actually live at this point. The best part is as Owen's attacking Jarrett, Mero starts shadow punching along with him. I don't know why, that was a bit weird. Jarrett thinks he's eliminated Owen. Owen recovers and then launches Jarrett high over the top for a big reaction. 19. Oh fucking hell it's Honky Tonk man. Outlimbs the on crutches. The Rock then eliminates Shamrock. Iron blocks a crutch shot from China but Hunter gets on the apron and smashes him with one, eliminating him. He gets a few more shots in on the floor. Owen legs it to the back and appears to fall down the steps behind the curtain. Number 20 is Ahmed Johnson. Apparently he's dropped some weight. They're showing us some picture in picture of Shamrock's eliminations. They were distracted by Hunter and China during the live feed. Rock got a low blow in before throwing him over the top number 21 is mark henry the crowd are pretty flat will anyone deliver us some star power number 22 is silent number 22 is really anyone we cut to the R way and it's silence i mean this was basically the spot they were going to put chains and the the idea they were at least teasing trying to tease was that because someone was yeah it was more kind of king dicking about um, but because King saw the angle earlier with, uh, with the Bariquas attacking DOA, either you know, it clearly wasn't Austin, King was portraying like it was, and the thought was, well, if we pretend this was the spot Steve Austin was supposed to come out, uh, out at, you might at least lay the thought that, well, maybe Austin's not going to come out, like, that would have, uh, nothing would have fucking said this if he hadn't have done. Uh, number 23, I guess, is, uh, Karma uh Phineas I'll so just back in the notes. Uh Phineas then gets eliminated on his way out. This is before Karma comes out. As he's going over the top, he kinda gives Jack Doe a proper whack on the head. Apparently has to rush into hospital. uh only concussion apparently in the end, but that didn't look that looked a bit rough. Twenty three is karma, he shoves Ahmed out of the way. The crowd are really quiet. Some star power, please. There is about to be some, but it's uh it's where I put a gap in my notes. Um Eric, this was the pits, wasn't it?
5: God, I, I remember being entertained at least fleetingly entertained during this match. But as you, as you review it, I'm not only questioning whether I was actually entertained, but my own uh subjective ability to judge whether something is entertaining. Cause God, this was just bad when you read it on paper, wasn't it? I mean, l- listen to this. Had the honky tonk man, Ahmed Johnson, Mark Henry school and common Mustafa, not to mention the guy right before it was Jeff Jarrett. And before that it was gold dust. So Geez, that was just, this is just them running everybody out. It reminds me a lot of the 95 Rumble where it's like, oh shit, we need 30 guys. Well, I, you know, let's scrape the bottom of the barrel and, and the, the superstars job guys, uh, in order to, to make this work. This was pretty bad. Uh, the, this was really the, the worst part of the match. The end was pretty good, but God, they, they did make us wait to get there.
3: Yeah, like, you know, again, like, No no one's really got eliminated. You know, there, there was the odd elimination that run, but there's about a dozen guys in the match still at this point, even at this stage. Um... And I, I kind of feel like they'd have been better trying to tell one coherent story. Owen Hart would have been a good story. Like Send yeah. Owen out early. You get a named guy that, in theory, at least you can do something with. You don't have great plans for it. Um Owen doesn't win the match, but you could have easily done the, you know... I, I feel like they did the Owen Hart thing in about three minutes when they could have done it in 45. You could have sent Owen out there early, have him go deep in the match, and then right near the end, Hunter walks out and costs him his spot. Owen gets over in the sense that he gets to be one of the big names and again it's it would have been easier to showcase him had they have not just accumulated so many guys without eliminating them um and then you could have got your angle out Owen doesn't gain anything necessarily but you at least showcase him as it was it was like you know I mean Jeff Jarrett's negative equity anyway as much as they try um and the whole thing was over in a couple of minutes um you yeah, know they I think the, the more important Owen Hart developments what happens on uh, on Raw in a couple of weeks. Davido, what do you think at this point?
4: Uh, yeah, that, that, all due respect to every athlete coming in at this time, but that that just sucked. Uh, I wished I wished that uh, the Owen Hart thing would have been drawn out a little more. I think it would have been a, a much bigger story. If he would have came out, participated in the Rumble, but Helmsley is out at the same time. So now not only does he need to focus on everybody in the ring, he needs to focus on this guy on the outside. I think that would have been a nice little story to tell that was devoid of any story. I don't see anything going on. Nothing at all. Uh, Rock is trying to carry the weight. But, I mean, it's a little fun with the Mick Foley thing. But other than that, I... I I mean, it was a good spot with Owen, and it set everything up beautifully, but I just wish it would have been drawn out. That way, people aren't just sitting there. Now people are, like, looking, you know? If if Helmsley was out there for an amount of time with Owen Hart, and he was able to showcase, like you said, eliminate some missions in, um, it would have been better.
3: Yeah, it's not like they were telling a great story with Rock. He was just there. Like you know, it is that, that they they showcased him by the fact he was just there for a long time. It's not like he did anything with him. Like I couldn't, don't think I could tell you much of anything he did up until this point in the match, with the exception of eliminating Shenrock. Shock horror, they missed it. Um, you know, amongst other things. Anyway my uh my pretty system awesome star power finally answers as number 24 is steve austin uh no th- this is great austin doesn't come out straight away and everyone in the ring as austin music's hit every single person in the ring if there's what benefit of having so many guys still in the ring at this point is that austin music's hit everyone stops what they're doing and turns to face the hallway there's a big long of silence and austin just runs out via kind of the other side through the announce table into the ring via the backside of it, and then eliminates two or three people before anyone even notices, which was probably a better 20 seconds than the rest of the match combined so far. Uh, he starts eliminating people left and right as Mero and 8 Ball goes. We then see Mike Tyson in the skybox. He's looking very happy. Number 25, continue the theme of big stars. Oh, it's Henry Goldwyn. Austin to eliminate Henry, and it's a bit of a weird move. Yeah, like Austin got in a grappling spot with Henry Goldwyn and didn't just chuck him out. Um, anyway took a while number 26 is everyone from Los Bariquas formerly it's Savio but the other three ran out with him which is rather a clever plan when you think about it rather than trying to wait for your guys to get involved just have one guy enter and let the other three just come in anyway Um, I think Savio is the official entrant Austin goes for the stunner and Savio ducks it. Number 27 is Farouk and they spelt his name wrong Austin gets lobbed (laughs) through the bottom rope Farouk actually goes after Austin but Rock and Austin go at it on the floor to confirm neither of them will be eliminated Number 28 is Dude Love. He chucks out Bradshaw straight away. Godless tumbles to the floor. It's unclear if he's still in the match, but Austin moves him uh, for good measure. And number 29, it's Chains and the crowd go absolutely what? No, they don't. Complete silence. Still about a dozen guys in this match at this point, and even Honky Tonk Man is still here. Number 30 is Vader. Hong Top Man gets eliminated. Savio goes. Goldust eliminates Vader. Of course he does. Just running through people at this point. Henry Goldwyn gets a run up and gets sent over the top by love Goldust then gets sent over by chains. And we are starting to move. Mark Henry gets eliminated softly. Apparently Farouk kind of threw him over and then forgot. And Henry went, well, all right. And he just eliminated himself. We're down to The Rock, Austin, Love, and Farouk. Austin and Dude Love rekindle their tag partnership, well at least until Austin starts attacking Dude. Dude puts in the mandible core but Austin gets a low kick in and for Luke, Farouk eliminates Dude. Rock sneaks up on Farouk as he's trying to eliminate Austin and eliminates Farouk. We get a sliding contest between The Rock and Austin and the crowd finally come alive. Austin throws Rock over the top, but Rock hands on. Rock then tries to take Austin by surprise, but Austin just turns around and studies it anyway. Throws him over the top for good measure, and Steve Austin wins the 1998 Royal Rumble. Michael Cole joins Mike Tyson in the Skybox. He seems genuinely quite happy, although he does call him Cold Stone in the mix. Just seems very, very happy. Uh, Eric, uh, we've got to the end of the match. Thoughts on that final quarter, and your overall thoughts on the Rumble itself, and anything that stuck out to you?
5: as often happens in Rumble matches, I think the last quarter uh, kind of saved this Rumble from becoming one of the uh, the least remembered ones, kind of akin to a 1995, where it really was just a two-man match uh, with Austin, or with uh, Michaels and Bulldog. Um, this, you know, the 97 and the 92 Rumbles, I think, are, are probably my two favorite. 92, I think, is everybody's favorite. And this match was not nearly as good as those, but at least it accomplished its goals in the end. I think when you have a Royal Rumble, you want to clearly establish the guy who wins as a star or uh, keep them established as a star. But you also want to use that time to maybe build up three or four other interesting guys. And in this case, they only really were able to accomplish that with two. But I think The Rock, just by the fact that he was in there as long as he was, that he was constantly in there, that he's dealing with Farouk and he's dealing with Shamrock. And at the end, he and Austin kind of squared off. And they've both been elevated since the last time. Uh, e- even in the last month uh when they met for the Intercontinental title. And and then you have Foley, and, you know, it, it's a bit of a comedy spot, and it does make him look kind of weak getting eliminated three times. So you had that exposure where you had Cactus Jack and Dude Love and Mankind. And, you know, just the fact that Mick Foley had that exposure and the fact that he was in the match c- consistently and that his entrances popped the crowd, it establishes that those three characters are probably three of the top ten characters they have on sp- uh, on screen right now. So the match didn't have any stars in it other than those three. But if you look at it, Austin, you know, was the obvious winner. That goal was accomplished. Rock continues to look good, even though he wasn't necessarily booked to do anything memorable. And then Foley being given that opportunity to focus, uh, to showcase all of his characters. I think we're going to look back at this Royal Rumble and think, well, not the best Royal Rumble ever, but those three guys, uh, you know, stars burned a little bit brighter uh, at the end of the match.
4: Um, yeah, it, uh, the last part did help. Um, the only thing that I have a problem is you mentioned the 92 Rumble, which is everybody's favorite. But look at who he went through. Hogan, Justice, uh, Macho Man. You know, when there's star power, I believe it makes the winner look that much better. I mean, of course, it's it's Austin's time to shine. But who did he go through? honky-tonk man and d and henry godwin okay who else and uh the three faces of foley and the rock that last segment with the rock just showed showed us how much they trust the rock in a spot like that they're like we're gonna push this guy but you're right there behind them probably so you're gonna be there with him and uh he got his spots in and um not anything during the match itself but at the end uh, he sold the elimination well, and it was Austin's match to win. I just—the uh, only problem I has is is the lack of star power. If the Honky Tonk Man lasted that long, then it tells you who they don't have and who they do need. You know.
3: I think Mick Foley was probably the only guy that I could say was well booked in this match. Um, that goes for Austin. That goes for Rock. That you know, not there's really anyone else that stands out in that. Um, in the sense that, as I say, Rock was in there a long time, and he would have gained something through being in so long, and he would have gained something from <clears throat> getting so close to winning. Fair enough. Um, Steve Austin, they did a good job of at the start, and they did a good job at the end, but the middle was a bit underwhelming. And again, like you know, I there are weaknesses with it, but I really wouldn't have any objection if they just got Austin over at the expense of everyone else. Like two thirds of that match are completely expendable. You could have Austin plow through half of them. It would have looked a bit ridiculous, but it would have done the job. Um and yeah, everyone else is everyone else. It was a bizarrely booked match, bizarrely laid out. Um you know they just seem to fill the ring with guys unnecessarily. There never didn't seem to be any thing stories being stitched through the middle and the crowd responded to that by by and large being quite flat and then we get this string of eliminations we went from 12 to about four in what felt like about two and a half minutes um and then we got to the final two and the crowd kind of woke up i one in the sense that you're going to wake up because you know the end's coming um but they woke up in a sense like this is interesting Two guys we care about in a spot that matters, which ultimately is what wrestling is, distilled down into one sentence. Um, And it lasted about 45 seconds. Um, It was a well-booked 45 seconds, but they perhaps would have been better off shaving five or six minutes from the middle of this match and then putting it on to these two guys and having a real nice back and forth. Um, I thought the finish was... Was well, but but vendor I guess the point is, is that as, as I kind of alluded to before the start of the match, they basically said Steve Austin's going to win the match, and there was no deviation from that plan.
4: Yeah, um, th- there was no mystery at all. I mean, there there's a point where you just know as a fan, but then there's another point where the company is just telling you what we're going to do, you know, and um I. I- I always like the swerve. I always like a little twist. I always like the idea of like, hey, I want this guy to win. I know he's going to win. But damn, this guy looks like he's going to win. Or that guy, damn, this guy's doing good. But um, it's pretty much them saying, uh, you know, we're going to throw a couple guys in there. But at the end, Austin's going to win. Eric,
3: any more thoughts? Yeah, just to...
5: You know, on what Davinder said, I think this just shows though, because this was a successful match, and I think it just goes to show that when when the crowd wants something, and even though it's predictable, sometimes you just go with a predictable outcome, and, and it'll work. And in the end of the match, this worked. Austin should have won this match. Austin won this match. There's no other really. There's no other outcome that that should have resulted.
3: Yeah, um, it was more a case of it was solidly booked, and they chose the right outcome, but it was a bit dull. Right. Uh, I think it'll be yeah. Uh, synopsis. We get a nice video package from Michaels and the Undertaker and it is time for the main event. Sure, Michaels with Triple H in China versus the Undertaker in a casket match for the WWF title. Michaels starts out hard and throws a crotch chops to the crowd, but Undertaker cuts him off. Holy shit, Michaels goes for a crossbody out the corner. Undertaker actually catches him in a two-handed choke and then basically deadlifts him. He throws Michaels over the top rope and Michaels catches back on the edge of the casket. Apparently did some damage. He was just kind of out of action for the rest of the month. Undertaker kicks Michaels straight into the casket. Michaels bolts to the outside. Undertaker drops a punch from the second rope. Michaels gets sec- uh, sent over the top and boots the camera on the way down. Michaels gets rolled into the casket it's so big Undertaker can't even reach through the ropes to close it the lid partially sucks and when it reopens Michaels lobs some powder into Taker's eyes Michaels hits a moonsault onto the standing Taker then Irish whips Taker into the ring steps Taker wears that hard on his knees Michaels then has a fantastic looking pile dryer onto the ring steps that looked great he rolls Undertaker into the casket but Taker gets a shot in and punches Michaels over the top rope back into the ring Michaels hits an elbow drop from a top rope, follows out the switching music. Jim Ross about the elbow drop said, Nobody does it like that anymore, in a less than vowel reference to Randy Savage. Undertaker's out cold, Michaels rolls him into the casket. He almost falls in and attempt to close it. He stands over the top, crotch chops, and Taker gets up and chokes Michaels. Returning to the ring, Taker hits a back body drop. Taker goes for running something, Michaels ducks it, and Taker falls into the casket michaels goes to the top and actually drops an elbow into the casket he did a great job with that jumping off the top rope it, you know also he had to kind of you know curl up a bit but that really good um the lid closes with the both inside. Michaels gets out and Undertaker drags him back in. Beautifully shot across the ring by the cameraman. As Michaels is like clawing for dear life. Trying to stop himself getting dragged back inside. Big chokes out from Taker. Then there's a jumping tombstone into the casket. That looked great. Jumping from the apron. That looked really nice. It's 1994 all over again. As out come the New Age Outlaws and Degeneration X. what was that 95? 94. That uh, no, was 94. That's right. Um, the lights go out. And then a big pot for Kane. Kane comes out he cleans house and, untaker, uh, and Hunter and China get Sean out of the casket and it's just Taker and Kane left. Kane sets off his pyro, or at least he tried to, but nothing actually happened. He then punched Taker, he then chokes down Taker into the casket and shuts the lid. And, well, that's really the match over as Kane and Bearer get some padlocks in, uh, and, di- and push the, uh, push the casket up the R way. They get near the stage. Kane takes an axe and he's got some petrol he takes an axe to the lid the casket's so deep I'm not sure really sure what the point is other than creating a bit of a hole it doesn't help they put some clearly fireproof sheets on the floor just to set the whole thing up uh, sort the flame spreading Kane takes a match sets the whole thing on fire and the show goes off the air with Undertaker in theory at least being burned alive the bit I mentioned earlier happened kind of after the show they put the fire out of the fire burnt itself out and they very clearly demonstrated that Undertaker wasn't inside and hadn't escaped that did not end on the pay per view, Eric, what do you think of this match?
5: God, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take the end segment first and work backwards because God, this just got that that end segment with the fire got Kane and Bear. That just they represent pure evil. I mean, this is, this is new new ground uh, for the WWF. This is by far the best Mania build for Taker ever, and I don't think that's really a debate. It's so good, so amazing. So back to the match. Shawn Michaels is just the best, isn't he? I mean. Sometimes in wrestling, you get two performers who are perfect in-ring foils. And Shawn Michaels is great on his own. And The Undertaker is hit and miss from times. But Undertaker and HBK might just be the perfect pairing in North America right now in terms of two guys that can put on a a fantastic main event. We've seen it three times in the last six months. Great show-stealing matches. Shawn bumps around for Undertaker. Undertaker can do all of his offense to Shawn, which he couldn't do with all those behemoths he was built uh, booked with before. But Shawn is so credible a performer, just because he's been around so long and he's held the belt so long, so few, so many times, that it doesn't look unrealistic that he could be competitive with Undertaker, even though the Undertaker is so much bigger and meaner. And we talk about WCW booking themselves into a corner time after time. The Fed kind of did that here too, because by all you know standard metrics, the Undertaker should win this match. Shawn Michaels is. You know what happened last month at Hell or last time at Hell in the Cell and then the, the Schmas finish back at Ground Zero. This is the match that Undertaker wins and the babyface goes over in the feud. But they got out of it with, like you said, Bob, a little sampling of Rumble '94 and that amazing spectacle with fire. Um, this match was excellent, the best on this card, and just a terrific, a, presumably a terrific cap to this Michaels, Taker trilogy that's taken place over the last six months. Well done. Divida
4: can't nobody sell a move like Shawn Michaels. I got bumps around for Undertaker and just makes Undertaker look awesome. And that was a great point saying that Michaels does look competitive against Undertaker because he uses like his size against Undertaker's size. And um, it was a good match. That bump on the casket though, it looked pretty scary, but, but I didn't think much of it until I heard the news because Michaels carried on like like it was nothing. Like it was just a regular bump. And now knowing, kudos to him because uh if I was hurting that bad then I would just be like, Alright, stop the match. But um the guy has guts, the guy loves the business. Um, and uh it, it was just a great, great, great match. And um the end all I can see is Paul Bear's hands up and his arms extended in like like or something. Just watching evil take place and loving the result. You know, like, um, this is, um, this is a great, great, uh, great, great match and a great finish, great angle at the end.
3: Yeah, um, it's twice in a row now that, that Michaels and, and Unseger have had really, really good matches. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I think they, they get more of a pass for the finish of the first one since it was the debut of Kane. It was also the first time it happened. Um I think the second time round, it does take it like a little bit of the shine off. Um, but I think one thing we see in WCW is that they're capable of putting big names out in main events, but they're really not capable of having big name level main events. Even their good main events aren't that good on the whole. Yeah. Um, um. Sure, Michaels and Undertaker really pulled out a lot of the stops here and went really, really hard to do some really unique stuff. Like, you know, the, the, the elbow drop from the top into the casket was a hell of a shot. Um, and the jumping tombstone from the apron inside wasn't really far behind. Um, you know, that and a few other major spots meant that the match, even up until the point of the final two or three minutes, was very, very good. Um, the finish was, you know, it was a bit of a cop out. It was a bit of damage control. It was a bit of a way, you know, we've got to, you know, for the second time it made sense. I wouldn't do it a third time if they pair up Sean and Undertaker very, very soon, but I think they got away with it. Um, and yeah, what a, what a visual finish. Um, you know, setting the thing on fire. Kate, you don't see an axe every day in, in professional wrestling either. Um... And it, yeah, it, it sets up Kane as as this unstoppable force and not only a guy that's capable of going toe-to-toe with Taker, but a guy that's capable of outsmarting him and outthinking him, uh, I guess is the is the real point here. They put that so, so well. Um, and yeah, in some ways this was perfection, um, you know. Again, a little bit of the gloss gets taken off because it, they had to go for a cop-out finish, but for the second time in a row it made a lot of sense. Um it gets Michaels out of there with the title, means he can move on with his own thing, and it means that Caden Undertaker is, is, um well, smoking quite nicely I guess on the, uh, on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, Davinda, your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of ten?
4: uh yeah it's uh it was a good show i mean it was a good show It did build up and it got better as i went along i love the shamrock rock match it was it was great the rubble match did what it needed to do which was get austin over not like he needed to be any more over but it 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 was just a match that he needed to make her one it was a great match in itself and just when you see that he lost and you think it's all over and you're like all right well Kane's gonna take him to the back and god knows what he's gonna do no, we know what he's gonna do because he's gonna leave him right there, chopped it up with an axe, lit it all on fire, and it was just it was just crazy, a crazy way to go off the air, especially too.
3: Uh, a score for the show, to video out of ten?
4: Out of ten, I'd give it a, a good solid eight.
3: Interesting. Right.
4: Only because of the finishes. Only because of the finishes. Yeah.
5: Yeah, this is a this is a card of two minds, really. I think on a work rate, kind of bell to bell level. Uh, there wasn't a lot of good stuff here. Rock Shamrock and the main event were kind of the only, you know, really well-worked matches, if you want to think of it like that. The Rumble was kind of plodding and slow. Uh, the Vader and Goldust match wasn't anything special either. And the tag match was uh, nothing that I'd recommend we watch. The Minis match was ridiculous. But even, even the, the HBK and Taker match, that was such a well-worked match, but the story ultimately was on the, the characters and, and the story. And so if you get your fun watching kind of Ray and Dragon and Mysterio uh and, and Malenko, this show probably wasn't for you. But every match on this show except for the minis had purpose with logical outcome. And it made sense and it developed things for WrestleMania. Even the LOD Outlaws match, which looked like it was showing at half speed. Um, the Rumble it had a it made sense. Again, I keep using that phrase, it made sense. Austin won, but then Foley came out of it looking good, Rock came out of it looking good. And with the way things are, you know, this is the purpose of the Rumble. You want to be able to look forward and see what WrestleMania might look like because the whole point of the next 8, 9, 10 weeks is to make that card as appealing as possible. The Mike Tyson variable really screws things up. But as of right now, it looks like we're going to get Austin Michaels, Taker, Kane. They haven't resolved Rock, Shamrock, so maybe there. Um there's issues with Triple H and Owen and Jeff Jarrett. We'll see how that resolves. And then on Raw, they've already established Jack and Charlie as the next, you know, feud with the New Age Outlaws. So we can really see these feuds building towards Mania. And that's the purpose of the Royal Rumble, I think. Um, on a work rate level, not a great show. On a storyline level, you know, near perfection. Overall, I'd say this show is about a 6 out of 10 for me.
3: Yeah, not a lot to- Different to, to what you said, Eric, really. I, I think, you know, there's 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 times that we've seen say WCW shows with great work rate but poor booking. Um, you know, this was a show with uh, pretty indifferent work rate with the with one or two exceptions you quite rightly pour out, but a generally well-booked show. Broadly speaking, I don't think the Rumble was well-booked, but ultimately they they could have booked a far better Rumble and yet left in a much weaker position. I, they booked a bad rumble, but at least Austin got out at the end of it as the guy. Um, it, it took us an hour to get there, and not a lot happened in the middle, but that did serve its purpose. The main event was very, very good. As I say, I, I think if the if the rumble's the the beginning of the you know the kind of road to WrestleMania, then this is the it, it, it's it's meant to set up plot points moving forward and give me stuff to be intrigued by going forward. Uh, they've done that. Uh, and so in that sense job done I'll split a difference I'll say 7 out of 10 Mike
1: it is unquestionably an honor and a privilege to have you standing in a World Wrestling Federation ring well, it's just a pleasure for me to be here I, you know, I've been a fan I've been calling since I was 8, 9 years old um, I'm just happy to be here who are some of your old time favorites in the WWF Bruno Sammartino all right, Don Leo Jonathan as well. Nikolai Volkman, I go way back in the '70s. I'm just proud to be involved with this. All. all right, now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment we have awaited, the big announcement. And the announcement is that on March 29, at WrestleMania, in this very ring, yeah. Iron Mike Tyson. Well,
3: The post-Raw Rumble episode of Raw opens with a recap of Kane having put Undertaker in the casket and setting it alight from the night before. Undertaker's music plays, but out comes Paul Bearer. Bearer glows about fooling the fans of his promo two weeks ago. He recaps Kane's actions at the Rumble, completing Bearer's elaborate plan to ruin The Undertaker. Undertaker's music plays again and Druids wheel out the burnt-out casket down the ramp. Jim Ross tells us that after the fire had been extinguished and the locks opened, the Undertaker had disappeared from inside the casket. Kate emerged from the casket and Paul Bearer introduced him as the last surviving member of Undertaker's family. DX cut a pro from backstage. Triple H says he made Owen Hart look like a loser and thinks Owen Hart should head down south too since he can't cut it. Sean says he feels guilt ridden about what happened to Undertaker, so tonight DX is going to go and find him. Our opening match the a six-man tag with D.O.A. against Farouk, D.Lo and Karma. The match was quickly thrown out after all six men brawled in the ring at the same time. Mark Henry and The Rock ran out to give The Nation the 5-on-3 advantage, but Ken Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson follow suit to even the odds and send The Nation packing. We see a hearse arriving backstage. when then get a promo by Vic Venom hyping in the WWF and Raw magazines. Tom Brandy was out next to face Mark Mero. During the match, a man in a suit came out and delivered a bunch of flowers to Sable. Sable distracts the ref and Mero capitalises with a low blow and a TQ to pick up the win. Mero beats down Brandy with the flowers after the match. The X approach the hearse backstage. They open the door and inside of the, the, of, instead of the Undertaker, they find a group of women partying. Sean and Hunter join them in the hearse, so China slams the door and walks away. Lima then pulls up backstage, Shane McMahon steps out with Mike Tyson. The Quebecers are in the ring to take on Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. The match ends in a DQ after Jack applies the mandible claw on the ref. Charlie hits a dive to the other three on the outside while Jack chases them away with a barbed wire bat. Jeff Jarrett defends his North American NWA Championship against Blackjack Bradshaw. Jarrett won a quick match with the featured the constant interference of Jim Cornette, the rock and roll express and Blackjack Wyndham. Wyndham joined forces with the rest of the NWA guys to beat down Bradshaw after the match. The Undertaker's music played and it appeared that Undertaker was slowly descending from the rafters. Once in the ring, DX's music hits and the light reveals it was actually Shawn Michaels in a disguise. Triple H and China join Sean in the ring, big barbecue equipment with them. Hunter says that both he and Sean have jumbo weenies, but China has the big stick, which points he whips out a giant salami. Undertaker, off, Undertaker Hunter offers Owen Hart a shot at his coveted European title next week. Sean bragged about beating The Undertaker all by himself before turning his attention to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Sean told Austin to ask around, especially everyone Sean had sent down south, and he would learn the heartbreak kid lays down for nobody. Mike Tyson was talking to the LOD backstage, and Sonny interrupted. Next up, it's Los Barikas to face Owen Hart, the Headbangers, and Takamiji Njoku. Owen Hart picks up the quick win with the sharpshooter on Jesus. Cole then interviews Owen, who accepted Hunter's Challenge for next week. Tyson was shown backstage with the Nation of Domination... The Rock was out to take on Armour Johnson. With the help of Mark Henry, The Rock picks up a quick win. Charlotte runs down to chase Rock and Henry away. Cactus and Shaw show off their barbed wire bats to Mike Tyson backstage. He's then shown backstage with DX comparing biceps with China. The Goldwins challenge the New Age Outlaws for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Billy Gunn picks up the win at hitting Phineas with the stuffed toy pig, which Henry Goldwyn tore open to reveal had a brick inside of it. Vince McMahon came out to the ring and brought out Mike Tyson with his entourage. Tyson said he was happy to be there and he'd been a fan since he was eight years old. Vince asked who his favourites were and Tyson just blurts out Bruno Sabartino in, in a great moment. Vince said to start to begin making his announcement but Steve Austin music's hits. Referees and agents flood the ring to keep Tyson away from Austin. Austin said he was sick of watching Tyson making friends with everybody. Tyson offered a handshake but Austin said he wasn't there to make friends. Austin said he respected what Tyson had done in uh, in boxing but this was Steve Austin's world Austin says he wants a piece of Mike Tyson's ass. Austin said Tyson may call him the baddest man on the planet but Austin was the world's toughest son of a bitch Austin said in case Tyson was hard of hearing he had some sign language for him with that he flips the fingers Tyson shoved Austin and all all hell broke loose dozens of men tackled Austin and held him down as Tyson's entourage held him back Austin was dragged away to the back and Vince screamed over the mic that Austin had ruined it, having to be held back himself. Backstage, Tyson was demanding a chance at the Coward Stone Cold as Vince was trying to apologise. Tyson called Austin a coward and then a faggot as we go off the air. The last Raw of the month opened with a recap of Mike Tyson celebrating Stone Cold winning the Rumble for getting an altercation case with him last week. Carl reported that Tyson did not want to be a referee at WrestleMania. He instead wants to face Austin one on one. He then said that Shawn Michaels would have an announcement to make concerning Austin and Tyson. the match: Shawn Ken Shamrock, accompanied by Ahmed Johnson of the D.O.A., taking on Mark Henry, accompanied by the rest of the Nation. Shamrock kicked Henry with a belly to belly, which caused the Nation to hit the ring and spark a ten-man brawl until the N.O.D. were forced to retreat. Get a video package recapping Undertaker and Kane. Which featured footage of the casket being opened after the Rumble with Undertaker nowhere to be seen. Jeff Jarrett and Blackjack Wyndham with the Rock and Roll Express and June Cornette took on the Legion of Doom. Wyndham pinned Animal after a pile driver and a shot with Cornette's tennis racket. For the commercial we see DX backstage with Hunter nude but Sean and China holding up the championship belts to cover his nether regions for another recap from last week. DX cut a promo with Hunter wearing nothing but a towel on the European Championship as China tapes up his knee backstage. Hunter said at 50% he's still more of a man than Owen Hart could ever hope to be. Shawn Michaels said he wants to do what's best for the WWF and is willing to step aside from his world title defence at WrestleMania to let Austin fight Tyson. Hunter said that the modest Shawn could still be involved at WrestleMania in some way and Shawn agreed for removing his jacket to reveal he was wearing a referee shirt. China whispered to him before Sean had the epiphany that he could be the special ref for Austin and Tyson. Goldust, dressed as Vader, took on Vader. Vader hits the Vader bomb but the lights went out and Kane hit the ring. Vader stood up to Kane and actually hit a reverse tombstone pile Driver, but Kane popped up and hit Vader with a tombstone of his own to lay him out. We see a clip of Funk and Foley chatting in the ring for the show talking about how much they've enjoyed watching Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack. New Age Outlaws take on Jack and Charlie to kick off the second hour. After a wild five minute brawl, the match featuring chair shots and low blows, the ref finally had enough and called for the DQ. Jack gave Road Dog the mandible claw and buried him in chairs, while Charlie hit a moonsault onto the pile to end the segment. Brian Christopher takes on Pantera, with the winner getting a shot at Taka at No Way Out on February 15th. To show how unbiased he is, Laura said he'd shake the hand whoever the victor was. After Pantera avoided the Tennessee jam and rolled up Christopher Christopher for the win Law did exactly that shaking Pantera's hand before kicking him in the gut and dropping him with a punch Jack and Charlie were backstage and they were interrupted by DX who sarcastically called them hardcore legends repeatedly The New Age Outlaws jumped them from behind and the Outlaws and DX beat them up and left them laying The Headbangers beat the Quebecers when Moss rolled up Jacques after 3 minutes but the Quebecers beat them down after the match Owen Hart came out to face Triple H turned out to be Goldust dressed as Hunter with Luna accompanying him dressed as China Owen was unimpressed but Hunter Dust jumped him and the bell rang Despite interference from Luna Owen countered the pedigree, att- pedigree attempt into a sharpshooter for the submission victory DX appeared on the screen calling Owen an idiot but Sergeant Slaughter made his way to the ring Sergeant said Owen had a sanctioned European title shot and had beaten the Hunter's chosen substitute so Owen was the new European champion The X were outraged to have the coveted European title taken away from them. Don King sent in a video saying the only thing standing between Tyson and Austin fight was the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which in real life isn't true, but that's the story they're going with. King says he and Vince McMahon will find a way to get Austin and Tyson together for WrestleMania without violating the rules. Steve Austin came out for a promo. He said last week really pissed him off. Austin said Tyson thought he was going to get away with without, with pushing him in front of the world and that isn't happening. He'll knock the gold tooth out of his mouth and make it into a necklace. He tells Tyson that he'll be in Houston, Texas on February the 15th and dares Tyson to show up. If he does, Austin will knock his ass out and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so.
0: Hey, hey. All right.
2: Mr.
1: Austin, why are you here?
2: Because I'm sick and tired of seeing Mike Tyson. He comes in, he's shaking everybody's hands, making friends with all the WWF superstars, and it's made me so damn sick I've been in the back throwing up.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: I ain't gonna shake your damn hand because I ain't out here to make friends with you. Mike, I shut up. I respect, I respect what you've done in the boxing world, but Jesus Christ, son, when you step in this ring, you're messing with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's something you don't do.
0: Yeah, you're on a different
2: planet now. Let me make it short and sweet. What I'm telling you is I want a piece of Mike Tyson's ass. Whoa. Shut up. Don't say one word, Vince. I'll knock your damn lights out, too. I respect what you've done, Mike, but you're out here calling yourself the baddest man on the planet. Right now, you got your little beady eyes locked on the eyes of the world's toughest son of a bitch. I could beat you any day of the week twice on Sunday do I think I do I think you could beat my ass hell no do I think I could beat your ass why hell yeah I don't know how good your hearing is but if you don't understand what I'm saying I always got a little bit of sign language so here's to ya.
3: the month essentially Um, there's only really one place to finish Uh, the 19th of January Raw the night after the Raw Rumble uh, Mike Tyson was in the building Um, they showed him kind of throughout the show fraternising with people backstage for what it's worth reports are that Tyson got on very very well with people very down to earth and this has been as we kind of alluded to in the news and this has been pointed out since you know he's he is trying to you know repair his reputation if you like um given what what happened last year, we did cover that on the on the podcast back last summer um but yeah, Mike Tyson comes out for the for the final segment of the month back by his entourage um you know Vincent Mann starts the interview he doesn 't get very far in, although Tyson does genuinely seem quite happy to be there uh Vince says, yeah, who are your favorites so he just goes "Bruno Sabatino like in a way that was <laughs> was definitely genuine like that, that was reaction, a
4: great like, moment.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the moments of the month that he's just blurting Bruno Saratino. I just Salatino. love how Vince
4: just tries to do another name to try to get him to cheer for that guy too.
3: Yeah, something a bit more contemporary than that, but uh, but there we go. And then Austin comes out, um and Austin, you know, basically runs it down and says that you you might think you're the toughest man on the planet, but you're in my yard now and I'm gonna kick your ass, basically um and then he flips the two fingers at him and then tyson shoves him and then we get this big brawl and then it you know the the segment basically ends with you know tyson kind of standing his ground in the middle surrounded by his guys austin being held down by god knows how many people um and and perhaps almost as significantly vincent Mann looking legitimately pissed off obviously in storyline but legitimately pissed off at the fact that austin ruined this this big moment involving this big star being on uh on the uh on Raw, Davinda, what what do you think of uh, of all of this? I think in in you know how long we've been doing this show now god four and a half years something like that um probably the most significant television moment on Raw if not on any T V programme that we've seen.
4: You know um not not taking into account the the possible lack of training that Mike Tyson has gotten in the wrestling world, but um all it needed was that one shove. You didn't need any punches, you didn't need anything else. That was the one moment that they touched and that's all you needed. Because now it has the fans like salivating at the possibility of anything happening. The way Austin came in was it was just body language spoke for itself. It before he even said that that was his ring, that was his ring because he walked literally right through the entourage. He didn't walk around them, he didn't oh excuse me. He literally walked right through them. And Mike Tyson was trying to be gracious, shake his hand, but Austin, I guess, and storyline purposes might not like that Tyson was getting all that spotlight when he just won the rumble. And it was just great momentum going in. And it was just, it was great. And Vince looked, Vince played it perfectly because he looked like he was legitimately, and now just has this wondering, what was the announcement? Like, what was the announcement, you know? And now the announcement may change now that there's hostility between Tyson and Austin.
3: Eric, I'm not saying I endorse this viewpoint. It did just come to mind. Did Austin come across as a bit of a dick here?
5: No, and and the right. reason why is because Mike Tyson, in, in, in the broader sense, is, is, is loathed. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's been to prison on a rape conviction. This is a guy who bit Evander Holyfield's ear twice. Uh, this is a guy who's made controversial statements. He's ducked fights. He's mailed it in in huge fights, like against Buster Douglas when he got knocked out. This is a guy who the public does not like. He's relevant, which is why he's here. But it's not like he's coming in like Mr. T did in 1985 as this you know, really well-liked pop culture icon. Mike Tyson is akin to a Tonya Harding more than he is to a, a Mr. T. And so, no, Austin coming in, plays on that public sentiment quite a bit, especially considering how uh, how over Austin is with the WWF crowd. And, um, yeah, this was just – you know, Bob, I, while we were talking about this, I kind of jotted down, just for memory, the biggest things that have happened on Raw in the last four or five years. And I think the only ones that I could come up with were the, were the Michaels concussion angle in 95, when Vader attacked Monsoon in 96, Pillman's gun angle late 96, and then Austin stunning Vince last year. This is worlds, this is galaxies ahead of any, any of those wrestling storylines. This is the biggest thing to ever happen on Raw. This is huge. I don't think it can be understated how, how uh, controversial and how much of a flashpoint Mike Tyson is. This is the biggest thing they've ever done.
3: Yeah, I, I, so I just it, it came to mind. I, I, you know, I I don't really agree with with, with that sentiment uh, that, that that I brought forward. I, it just kind of came up, but 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 thanks, Eric, for for that important context. Um, this was excellent, wasn't it? Um, you know, this was like, you know, we talk about framing wrestlers, and you know, there's that there, there, there was, and there, there still is. I, I don't think Hulk Hogan's. Contractual situation is formally confirmed yet. Um, there was the thought that part of the reason Hogan might be fishing around the WWF is that they might be bringing in for a match against Tyson himself. Um, this was probably better though, as in, like, you know, Tyson comes out, and as I say, there's this, you yeah, know, this almost like giddy moment at the start. Let's be clear, some of this is very definitely Mike Tyson trying to present a, not a reformed or a changed man necessarily, but, you know, trying to take the edge off of the reputation that he currently holds coming in being quite personal being quite friendly being quite cheery that kind of thing and vince gets a couple of questions in i was surprised at how quickly that segment lasted but i guess uh, that that part of the segment lasted but i guess it makes sense um austin comes out and you know austin's straight in on the offense as i said i think from Uh, for me the 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 reason that came up was that i kind of felt like austin's ire at the situation perhaps could have been a little bit more directed at vince for for opening the door to bring in tyson and it would have been for tyson just for accepting or or taking the opportunity but austin presented that really really well as in you know this is this is my space you're in my yard now and you know i control these things you are the guest if you like um and I am more than willing to, to kick your ass and that kind of thing. Um the segment crescendo really nicely, the the exchange with Austin flipping the Vs and you know, it would have made more sense for Tyson to knock him out, but you can't really go anywhere after that, so the shove in some ways made perfect sense. Um Austin then getting, you know, yeah, there's about 25 people in the ring by this point. So when uh, when Tyson shoved Austin and Austin goes to get a shot in back, they just kind of swarm all over him and take him down. Um, and then Eric, I, I I almost think like as big a takeaway, not that it was a bit getting the headlines, not that it was a bit that overtly involved Mike Tyson, but I think in the wrestling universe. As big a takeaway was Vince McMahon, that last 30 seconds, you know, having to, they, they they were holding back Austin for attacking Tyson. They had to hold back Vince for attacking Austin. And Vince looking more mad than I've ever seen him look on television, saying you've ruined everything. Um, uh, another brilliant aspect of this angle, Eric.
5: They never really did follow up consistently after Austin stunned McMahon last year. And so this this does continue to keep those embers burning if they ever want to uh, come back to that and have, you know, Vince McMahon, who has been established as the on-screen owner and chairman of the WWF now, finally, after all this time, uh, it's just again, like we said, with how somebody should have come in and, and cleaned house in the middle of the rumble, whether or not they do anything with that in six months time, it doesn't matter because it gives them the opportunity to do so. If you're Vince McMahon and you're the owner of the company now on screen and behind the scenes, you're going to be pissed off that you've gotten this mammoth coup by you know, convincing the most controversial figure in sports, Mike Tyson, to come in and work a match or work with a match at WrestleMania. If if, if that's your boss and you screw that up, your boss is going to get mad at you too. And it makes sense that Vince would get mad at at Austin. There's natural friction there because Austin is this anti-authority figure, which includes Vince. Of course it does. And so this is something they can continue to keep the embers burning and come back to it down the road if they need to, or if they need to pivot off of it, it makes sense in the moment too. So yeah, I think that was just an excellent detail. And of course, of course, Vince would get mad. So uh, again, this is like an onion. This storyline, this this segment, we can keep peeling it back and peeling it back, and every time you find something new that just makes this probably the best segment on Raw of all time. Davinda? Um.
4: The onion metaphor is, is perfect. Um, another detail that I liked is that when, uh, when Austin came out, all the officials came out and it just made you feel like, wait, maybe this isn't supposed to happen. Maybe Austin came out on his own. Maybe he just walked through everybody and they're trying to stop him and continue the segment as planned. You know, um, Tyson, Austin is just money. That's just money everywhere. And just look at how the media ate it up. It was just everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. You know, you touched on Hogan for a second. And um, like you said, it, it could not have been done like that. Hogan would have done a bro, pointed at him, and done his little ear thing. But Austin being the brawler, um, coming in, just like you're saying, like, you're walking into my ring. You're a guest in my house. This is not going to happen. And um, Vince, I, I, I was hoping that Vince would probably not let Austin – be on the mic as much to make it look that much more real, but um, the segment was beautiful, and it sets up so many things. Now you're thinking like, well, is Austin going to go after Michaels now, or is he going to go after Tyson? What's going to happen?
3: Yeah. Um, very, very well done segment. Very, very well executed. Um, a big headline grabber did very well for them in the ratings. You know, the there's very little wrong you can say about that it sets up a lot and i think that's where our discussion kind of has to go now um you know i, I- I don't think there were ever seriously any plans that Mike Tyson could be involved in a match. You know, there's a, when, when I talk about there being 30,000 words on Mike Tyson in the, in the newsletters this month, most of that was not news. Most of that was, you know, quite rightly, Dave Meltzer and, and, and Wade Keller basically speculating on, on where that might go. There were thoughts that, you know, thoughts that he could pay him enough money. He could do some kind of work match involving a uh, sort of shoot match involving Tyson and, uh, and Ken Shamrock. if He wanted to do that, which, would be bloody interesting to watch if you could find you know something that would be comparably interesting um there were thoughts that you know they could do a, an actual match involving tyson and austin or tyson and hogan which is again different um how but, about tyson you know, and mark merrill Yes, was was another one that they that that was mentioned again. Not not seriously, I don't think, but there was the thought. Well, you know, if you if if, if perhaps they'd have put Mark Barrow any differently at any point in the last eighteen months, then maybe. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: um, but it, it it looks like they're shaping for 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 you know, and the whole point really was that Tyson is trying to get back into uh into boxing he's still suspended and the suspension is indefinite um although apparently it will be reviewed probably around the one year anniversary of what happened last summer um a basic thought being well you know they did evander holyfield and michael moore and that did very very badly on pay-per-view and the thought is that they might have to lift the suspension on the basis that tyson's the only star they've got um WWF kinda of thought, well, there's no fucking way the Nevada State Athletic Commission are gonna clear Tyson for a wrestling match. So let's pretend like we want one and then say, well, it's their fault. Um and Mark Ratner from the Nevada State Athletic Commission basically went, Yeah, it's fine. It's 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 entertainment, right? Nothing to do with us, so you can do what he likes. And WWF basically oh shit. Um so I think they're still gonna use that excuse just hope no one notices. Um but Basically, yes, they, they kind of left this show and the big angle and the big closing thing on the on the show was well, amongst other things, Tyson calling Austin a faggot on air, which was an ideal Yeah, this I was, was I was of-
4: gonna actually bring up that point. Um that was uh that was like, Oh man, this is beautiful and once he said that I was like, Ah crap. Like here come the emails and here come the hate mail and the
3: complaints. Tyson's the, Tyson's the heel. Yeah, the the idea with this whole thing apparently is they want to make him the baby face. Um I don't know how that's gonna work. Um I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Um Davina, what do you think of this direction though? I mean, yeah, you know, Tyson will cost them a fuckload of money, whatever happens. Um yet by osmosis if nothing else, everything seems ten times bigger with him around, even if him being a referee or an enforcer feels like a bit of a letdown.
4: Um, well, I mean, the the thing that I noticed is that Austin could have come out and just said, you're in my ring and this is my ring. And he could have just said the whole territorial thing and the shove and stuff could have happened. Did say, I want a piece of Mike Tyson's ass, which means I want to fight. I want you in the ring. So does that open up something up in the future? How long is Tyson's uh, participation for I mean, does it last only to WrestleMania or does it go on maybe afterwards? Who knows? I mean, it it, it just opens up so many things. But then you got Austin by contract and by storyline should be facing Shawn Michaels. So I think maybe, uh, maybe a special referee thing can happen. I think that would be cool. All
3: right.
5: I don't think there's any way in hell Mike Tyson gets overtly physical. I mean, people forget. Boxers are not trained like wrestlers. They don't train like wrestlers. Mike Tyson's small. Um, he hasn't really had uh he hasn't really looked that great in the ring since he got out of jail even. Um, hence his need to uh cut corners on on Evander Holyfield. I mean the guy's well under six feet tall. I just think if you put him in there in a work shoot uh type style match with Austin or or a shoot work, however you want to put that, just it's just not going to look right. I think Tyson's best role is as a referee or as an enforcer or as a corner man with somebody. Maybe they bring in somebody else to even it up. we got a long ways to go. Who knows? But I, I don't think there's any way in hell Tyson gets super physical. And I don't think that would be the best way to go. Um, and I think it's, you know, let's not forget, you know, Austin. The long-term goal here is to establish Austin as essentially the next Hogan. Um, And and to do that, he needs to win the world title at WrestleMania convincingly, clean in the middle against the against the established champion. And I think if they pivot off that and and go for the short term publicity or the short term booking, that's what WCW does, and it's not working. Stay the course. Use Tyson as his best way, which is in a limited capacity, limited speaking, limited physicality, but the aura of Tyson, the, the the thought of Tyson, is what looms over the match, and then. Austin over Michaels or over whoever's the champion at that point, Austin and and Tyson resolve whatever they resolve at Mania or after Mania. But let's not lose focus of the long-term plan here because that's what WCW has done so many times. And that's where the WWF, I fear, could really screw all this up.
4: Eric, uh, they do have one more pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Would you use that pay-per-view to do something also with Tyson?
5: If they, yeah, I mean, I I would use Tyson as often as possible in in that limited capacity because they're only going to get him for a short time. Uh, But on the other hand, that February pay per view is always kind of a wasteland. I don't know if you 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 might even devalue Tyson by putting him on one of those in your house style shows. So I think I think there's two minds to that point.
3: I was gonna say I'm not sure I'd use Tyson more than maybe twice between now WrestleMania. Like I, I don't know that you you want to take that edge off. And again, like I, the, to a point, the storyline kind of writes itself. I don't know what Tyson keep turning up necessarily would do to enhance it. Um But I, I think the key point here, really, and the, the the thing with you know. They really are trying with Austin, and it's working, let's be honest. Austin's been working with MTV this month, I think, on some NFL, you know, to speak of Super Bowl, NFL, etc., half-time stuff for them. They really are working that dial hard to, excuse me, to get, to get Austin kind of, not just over in terms of wrestling fans, they get Austin over in terms of the, mainstream public and you know the, we, we we draw the we, we speak about Hulk Hogan the comparison between Hogan being a big wrestling star and Hogan being a big star the pivot in that was probably the involvement of Mr. T and all that stuff that went down um and so this is kind of a similar type thing. Really, all they need to do is they've got a press conference involving Mike Tyson. I think it's in the next couple of weeks, early next month in New York. Tyson, Austin and Michaels. They need to use Tyson as a way of showcasing Michaels and, and Austin. And at the show itself, Tyson's the enforcer, or the referee, whatever. Um, Austin wins the match, Tyson does one thing, you know, it's been suggested he could knock out a, an interfering Triple H, you know, which probably makes sense or something like that, uh, and the show ends with my uh, Tyson holding Austin's arm up in the air, um, you know, and there were talks this month, they were also saying, well, if you cost them six million dollars, then, you know, they'd need to do something like the uh, 650,000 buys just to make it profitable, if you're the WWF like it, This show doesn't. This WrestleMania doesn't necessarily need to be profitable. If Tyson costs you a load of money, if Tyson being there gets Austin over to the point where he can draw more money down the road for the next 12 months, then this can be a lost leader for them. So I don't think the price is a problem necessarily either. They just need to use the rub for Tyson to get Austin over. I don't know that putting him opposite him would do that necessarily. Um, Tyson's getting a lot out of this too. Um, it's doing wonders for his image, or it's doing something for his image. Only anyway. w- wonders might be pushing it too far. Um, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll we'll wait and see. I think the I think the next big milestone in this will be the, the press conference. I suspect that'll be a big talking point next month. Um, as I say, if if WrestleMania's at the end of March, maybe appears two or three more times on Raw. I wouldn't do any more than that. Um, you know, you could perhaps do a sit down with him at one point, but I I wouldn't. Take the gloss off of Tyson, like he feels like a special deal right now. Um, he still will, whatever they do, but there's certain edges on that, I suppose. And I, I, uh, I guess we'll find out anyway. That will uh that will wrap up at least what I had plans to discuss. Uh, Eric, uh, as I kind of do now, anything, anything else? Is a, a lot going on on TV right now, and, and 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 fair bit going on the news. Anything else you wanted to bring up in terms of stuff that happened this month?
5: You know, compared to this Tyson and Austin angle, and I, you know. Let's, before we go off, let's just give credit where credit is due. Jim Ross was also an integral part of the television presentation of that angle. His, his call was just fantastic as it, as it's becoming more and more frequent for, for Jim Ross. Uh, but you know, n- no, I think just watch Raw, keep up with it, but we've really touched on, there's only three or four really relevant things going on right now and, and they're really, really good and it, it'd be, I think, disappointing to water all that down with this NWA nonsense or whatever the hell's going on um uh, outside of oh, i case. like
3: the fact that in in december visit man said you're tired of old-star wrestling and then three weeks later we do an angle <laughs> with jim Cornette. at the nwa i was NWA. just about to say that too yeah um oh, bloody yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: hell it's just you know w- watch it for your own amusement jeff jarrett it's, it's, spoiler alert jeff jarrett is no more tolerable than he's been in the last four years
3: or no more over um, you know, the, I thought the Owen Hart thing they did was a bit weird. Um, you know, the, the, this, this Owen Hart thing, you know, I, I, it, it, it's not difficult to guess that Vince McMahon doesn't rate Owen Hart that highly, but it's like you had something coming out of of what happened in November. They could have done something with it. Him beating Gold Dust for Triple H's European title was a bit of a, you know, wait, we talk about framing, guys, but now, Devin, the same question, anything that's come up on, on Raw or in the news or anything else to, to finish up? Mm-hmm. None.
4: That points already been covered um the only thing is like I, I feel uh i know the rock is the star but i just feel like it just makes everybody even look worse when they're supposed to be be looking good when they're standing next to this guy ken shamrock is going every through everybody in the nation every week and i just feel like it, it just damages their characters it just makes us look at them like all right well this this guy's a nobody you know
3: that is their model right now. You know, they, 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 seem to be able to get over the odd guy, providing they've got 20 guys for him to run through. Um, if it, if it, I guess the proof of that will be in the pudding. Anyway, that will wrap up this month. Sure, a big thank you to Eric Lansham. Eric, thank you very much. Happy to be back as always. Uh, Eric, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah,
5: at Matter Day Lawyer, if you care about
3: sports and, uh, and wrestling. There we go. And a big thank you to Davinda Vargas. Davinda, thank you very much for joining us this month.
4: Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity. I had a blast. Great
5: job. Yes. Great job, Devinder.
3: Great job. Yes, Appreciate very that, much. Sir. So um, I, I I believe I am right in saying that you are the, the, the first person we've had on this show that has the 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 guts or the, the lack of brain cells, whatever you want to call it, to actually step in a wrestling ring. Uh, as, uh, as you were, we were speaking about on air, you've been training now, I think, for a few months. So, so plug your Twitter, plug whatever you're doing wrestling-wise and anything else. Now, now's really the, the, the time to do it.
4: Yeah, lack of brain cells is correct, sir. Um, I am, uh, training with the Wrestling Revolution in, uh, South Texas. Uh, the, uh, 956 area code. Um, they have shows every Friday night at Cine Rey, uh, Theater. It's a historic theater in McAllen, Texas. If anybody is around the area, just go and check it out. It's an awesome show. You can find them on Facebook at Wrestling Revolution. And you can also look up some of their highlights if you guys want to check it out. It's WRSTX, World Wrestling, South Texas. Um, Wrestling Revolution, South Texas. WRSTX on YouTube check it out they have highlights every uh, week from their friday shows, and yeah i 'm training doing my best um they say they 're happy with my progress, so here goes nothing right guys
3: yes uh every uh e- everyone that that has dreams of, of of getting near the top has to start somewhere I, I say it sounds like we're uh we're a few months away from being able to, for at least anyone being able to see you in the ring, but that is the uh That is the process. And as I say, I guess as, as when we have your next, we'll, uh, we'll see how your progress is going. And your own Twitter, Davina?
4: Uh, D's Comedy. D-S-N-U-T. All one word. I just put a bunch of the politically incorrect stuff up there. It's going to be a lot of fun.
3: Yes. Jokes about small people, presumably, on the, uh, on the political correctness scale. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, uh, just to remind people there are two other volumes for this month. Uh, in volume number two we go to WCW and their sold out pay-per-view. Uh, volume number three takes us to ECW and their house party show as well. Right on, we're on Patreon for five bucks a month you'd like to say thank you and get early access. You did actually get some, some early access this month. I'm going to try and be a bit better with that this year. Uh You can do so at patreon.com forward slash wrestling 20YRS. Links in the podcast description and on our website our website wrestling20YRS.com i'm starting to upload a a big backlog of blogs all the stuff's written or most videos anyway i'm still a bit behind Uh, i've got about fifteen thousand words of end of year review stuff to go up at some point hopefully in the next few weeks um amongst other things as well but that's on there i've been bob bamber this has been volume number one at the january 1998 edition of the wrestling 20 years ago podcast and until next time goodbye